Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 98, which is one of our Charlie Kaufman specials. Yes, these are two movies that have been written by Charlie Kaufman that are very well known. Charlie Kaufman is known for his eccentric films or eccentric screenplays, shall we say. Uh, and the first one is Being John Malkovich from 1999, directed by Spike Jones and starring John Cusack, Cameron Diaz, and Catherine Keener. And we follow that up with Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind from 2004, directed by Michelle Gontry and starring Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. These are excellent movies, excellent movies. Uh, it is. They are actually some of my favorite movies, and uh, I have been told by many of our listeners that they are amongst their favorite, uh, favorite movies. So I'm super excited to do these uh, and to talk about them. I really love them, uh, and you know these are eccentric, uh, a little on the quirky side, shall we say, but really very thought provoking and uh, really great ones uh, to talk about, especially Eternal Sunshine. Uh, which I think uh, just just leaves you into a blubber of emotional goo by the end of the film. So uh, really great stuff. Very excited to do these. And yeah, both of these were uh, written by Charlie Kaufman, who's a very interesting and mysterious person in a lot of ways. Anyway, uh, as I said, this was episode. This is uh, was is episode uh, ninety eight. But as you guys know, we record all of our podcasts live, uh, and so this came. We recorded this several weeks ago before uh, it came out. But for our live episodes that ha- that is happening this Saturday, August thirteenth, it will actually be our one hundredth episode. Now you can wait several weeks to hear the episode and how that came out, or. You can be part of the live experience, and we would love to have you there. That is, again, this Saturday, August 13th. And for those of you who live in Europe, we are doing it extra early to make sure that you guys can be part of the conversation as well. It's actually happening at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time uh, for us people in Los Angeles. But that's going to be, like for people in London, that's going to be 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. for people in Central Europe or 9 p.m. for people in Eastern Europe. So you guys can totally be part of the conversation. And we have the movie that we're going to be talking about is Apocalypse Now. And we have a very very special guest that I'm super excited to have on, and that is Dr. Scott Ross. Yes, one of the original founders of Digital Domain. He will be uh, joining us, and he's a great guy, very charismatic, and totally will be fabulous for this conversation. Again, Saturday, August 13th, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is 7 p.m. in London, uh, 8 p.m. Central Europe, and 9 p.m. Eastern Europe. Uh, we'll be talking with Scott Ross about Apocalypse Now. Happy to have you guys there. Please be part of the conversation. The way to find us is twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. Again, that is twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. Love to have you be part of the conversation. But for now, please enjoy episode number 98 with Being John Malkovich and Eternal Sunshine of the spotless mind. Uh, the other thing that I got, I'm going to show this off right now. I'm going to, I'm going to taste this live on air. Is Kentucky 74 bourbon, which is oh. non-alcoholic. No, spit, no, <laughs> spiritless, uh, spiritless bourbon. 
And so I'm going to crack this on the air and, uh, and, uh, and have a little, I have a glass of ice here ready to go. It's like washing your feet with your socks on. <laughs> if it doesn't work out, I'm going to go back to my, uh, uh, my athletic uh, brewing company uh, beers. <laughs> so where does where does someone find such non-alcoholic bourbon? I I was looking because I've actually we've talked about this before on the show. Like I'm I'm a huge fan of non-alcoholic beer. It's got really good. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, I, I, yeah we've talked about this. Yeah, and uh, so I've been I've been wondering like what's the state of non-alcoholic like uh, gin and stuff like this, which sounds impossible, and may very well be impossible. It's just because like you know the the flavor of whiskey is ninety percent astringent <laughs> that's the idea right. uh so i don't have a lot of faith that it's actually panning out but I, I i went online and i i looked up the best reviews uh for things like this and this was the this is the top rated one okay so we'll see what that means i think i think it's how much was that a, bottle by the way it's like 30 bucks so it's like a you know, oh, okay okay yeah, it's, it's like a reasonable experiment a <laughs> reasonable experiment it's not crazy but like the the uh uh the uh how can i say it like I, my my bet is that it's fine, but it's made to be mixed with other stuff. I don't happen to have any other stuff, so I'll take a taste and then we'll we'll see where it's at. Like I bet it's going to yeah, taste like sort of like watery vanilla extract. That's fine. Really? That doesn't That's sound fine. too nice. It doesn't sound great, but I'm not. But no. I'm setting my standards low, so maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised. I because the nice thing about the non-alcoholic beer is that like it it still kicks off all that endorphin rush. Like at the end of a hot day, like it's pretty great, you know. Right. You don't get, you don't feel gross. So I'm a fan. All right. So I can do it right now. Do you want me to do it right now? Here it is. Yeah, yeah. Let's try it out. All right. Here we go. Pop. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So you open the bottle for the audio, audio only people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I meant to make more of a pop. It was like a. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It smells yeah. like whiskey. <laughs> okay, well that's a good that's a good that's sign. A good step. <laughs> yeah. There yeah, we go. Nice little pour. Now, does it have any alcohol, like 0.1 percent or something like that? Or is it... I'm assuming it has a little tiny because it's actually distilled. So I, okay. I bet it has a very, very, very. very How do you amount. take the alcohol out? Alcohol out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's a reverse. Pro- it's like you know you boil all the stuff to get all the. The you know you distill the and keep the alcohol. They're just keeping the other stuff. All right, so <laughs> they keep the stuff that's not alcohol. <laughs> exactly. Okay. All, all right. right. All right. Okay. I have to say it's it's promising. Like the nose is pr- it's promising. It's okay. not. But does it have it that? Smells like ba- it smells like a uh, it gives a Basil Hayden kind of. Uh, mm, okay. Right. Oh, you put it on the rocks too. That's going to be interesting. All right. That's not as bad as I expected. <laughs> is is it bad? It's not bad. I, okay, first of all, it doesn't taste bad. It tastes okay. okay. It tastes okay. Uh, it almost tastes like I'm having a very... I, I'm, it tastes like a whiskey and water, actually. That's what it tastes like. Oh, like a, yeah. All right. This It doesn't taste water bad. Though. It tastes like a whiskey and water. Okay. There. For a non-alcoholic whiskey, not bad. Does it have any listing any alcohol on the label, like one percent or something like that? Don't see anything. Okay. I yeah, I have to say, like this. It definitely. What feels if you like, just drank half of it? You'll know. 
Because we could do our hand. <laughs> yeah, just... <laughs> hand you get the whole bottle going. Oh, oh, and go driving. <laughs> and if you get idea. pulled over. I'll, I'll call a podcast from the road. If there's yeah, anything goes wrong. Yeah, and if you get arrested Just, just hold the bottle outside the window while so driving by the pot. And then if any kind of coppers, if they, cops try to stop you, the best way to get on that line is just say, Fuck you, copper man. That's They'll respond, it, and then you'll be walking the line, and we'll know. And I'll take right. one of these non-alcoholic empties, and I'll be like, "Take that!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I'm I'm gonna give this for my it's worth a shot, though. For my expectations, this is four stars uh, by itself. It's what? it. You know, it's fine. It's good. Four out of good. five. I'm assuming. <laughs> I, I would say for, like uh, for my expectations, four out of five. For whiskey, no, he, he meant to say twenty. <laughs> he meant to say point four out of five. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I, four out of five for your expectations for a whiskey. Four out of twenty. So, like yeah, you'd like, say, if, yeah. it is an unsuccessful whiskey, but it is not. It, it tastes. It tastes okay. It reminds me uh -huh. of whiskey. It tastes like. It tastes like I'm. I'm drinking the back, like the the back hour of a of a, a whiskey and water. So it's like the right. ice is melted a little too much. It's a little more water than whiskey. And I'm not getting much out of it, but it's, it right. still tastes, it's in the ballpark. It doesn't taste okay. bad. It tastes good. It tastes, it does have a whiskey flavor. It has, it actually has that weird, like woody, uh, uh, astr uh the astringent quality is, is kind of there. It's kind of nice. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So anyone in, anyone in chat who would, would you drink a non-alcoholic bourbon? Playing it up for the camera. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah no, I, I'm going to start honestly, acting. I drunk. love you, man, but it's just like <laughs> it'd be so great if it is. Uh, was it just? Uh, let's talk about Sunday. This is not. This pleasant. It's kind of pleasant. I like it. I like. It. I'm down. Right. I'm, I'm not about to do a shot of it, but I'm. I'm down. That's pretty good. That's an interesting how they would get the alcohol out of that, and still have. The flavor. I'm curious how they do it. Yeah, no, speaking, I, I, I don't know. Speaking of getting is. things out of things, we should talk about our movie, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. That's what we're here to do. See, that's a good segment. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Um, now, this is, I'll be upfront, a very, this is very high on my list of favorite things, this movie. This the is movie. a great movie. This is right. a great movie to me. Well, the culmination of these two is going to be Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind, obviously, and Being John Malkovich, both written by Kaufman, right? Mm -hmm. Charlie Kaufman. Charlie Kaufman, who, who, who lives in Pasadena, Texas, from what I know. He does? Interesting. Yeah. He lives very, he apparently is very elusive and doesn't really, um, you know, tries not to socialize or go out too much and kind of solitary he's married like he's got a kid married got a kid um when they were nominated for an oscar for uh adaptation him and his brother were both nominated but his brother is a fictional person and not a real <laughs> <laughs> that's right i forgot about that <laughs> so it's the first time an oscar was ever nominated to a person that does not that's exist right. It was, it was tra Charlie and what was it? I forgot the other guy's name, but yeah, it was blah 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 Kaufman. Yeah, yeah, which like, are in the movie adaptation, uh, which is in the movie adaptation, yeah. right? Both played yeah. by Nick Cage. Yep, yeah. uh, which is very funny. So uh, he is obviously well known for extremely creative stories. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
mm-hmm. uh, and uh, really interesting. So, which one came first? Was Malkovich or Eternal Sunshine? I want to say Malkovich. Malkovich. Yeah, Malkovich, Malkovich was first, right? It was like yeah. mid mid to late nineties. I think it's like ninety seven, and then okay. uh, Eternal Sunshine is in the early two thousands. <clears throat> right, right. Okay, do you guys want to talk about Malkovich first, then chronologically? Sure. Sure. Okay. Now, and uh, now, I also like Malkovich a lot. I think it's a good, it's a really good creative fun movie. I think it's, you know, it's probably Spike Jones' worst movie, but that is still means it's great. Like, okay. it's not, it's not, it's not like his. It's not a very deep movie, but it's a very good sarcastic, oh, funny it's, ass it's a movie. Fun movie. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Spike I mean, Jones depends li- on how far on. you want to go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> like Spike Jones is one of my favorite directors. He, he directed her and he directed uh, uh, the really upsetting version of where the wild things are. Uh, right. And uh, he is a really, really brilliant, brilliant director. Uh, and, uh, and Nakovich is just tip top hilarity. Yeah. Very uncomfortable. It is not now, as uncomfortable as uh, Internal Sunshine. Really? No, yeah, it was very uncomfortable. But I think that was the purpose of it, though, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. It, you know. But we'll talk about that. Is to sure. draw up your memories and find that yep. relation, you know, of regret. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Eternal Sunshine is a very painful experience. Like that is a yes. That's a hard movie. That's a really hard movie to watch. It's very funny. It's I, I think it's even funnier than Malkovich's. Uh, a lot of people say that was uh, Michael Bay's best film. It I, is, yeah, yeah. I think maybe that and uh, <laughs> the island. Yeah. <laughs> now Spike Jones is very well known for his uh, music videos, right? That was one of the things he. Really oh yeah, into. yeah, right, yeah, terrific. And he did right. lots of. He's done lots of like. Uh, he's pushed a lot of uh, documentary-ish work and like all sorts mm-hmm. of very strange. Like he's a, he's a constantly inventive. He's also an actor. You know, you see him. Um, yeah. He was in that war movie, wasn't he? Three Kings. Yeah, he's in Three Kings. Yeah, Three Kings. Yeah. And he's terrific in that. It's very funny. Uh, and he has this sort of like weird, whiny voice, at least when he's acting. Yeah. You know, hey, you know, and so like he's, he met when he, when and I heard that he was directing, I was like, that guy? <laughs> you know, but uh, he's, a, he's a real, he's a deep thinker, that guy. He's a very deep thinker. What did you think of her? I love her. I love, I think her is a landmark science fiction movie to me. I think, it, I, yeah. I mean, it's, I had a few issues with it. Um, I don't think it's necessarily, a, I'm not saying it's bad at all, but I did have some issues with it, which is, I, I think, I actually think that there are better sci-fi films than that. Um, maybe there was, the th- <laughs> it's a, it's a much better version of electric dreams, which is almost the same. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's true. <laughs> we'll say that. Right. Like the electric okay. dreams is the fern gully to her's avatar. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes. Makes sense. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you guys know Electric Dreams is a movie from the eighties, which is almost exactly the same plot as Yeah, basic her. premise, yeah. yeah right. But yeah, uh, Jones is very like he's uh, he's a very philosophical guy. He's very uh like he he tries to set up things that are well it's like the, so his like his work with Charlie Kaufman here is interesting because like Charlie Kaufman's best stuff which I would say are these two movies um is is uh, like they're great they're great scripts but they're directed by people with a very positive view of life 
and a great uh, visual style. Yeah, be brilliant visual style, very sort of right. uplifting um, attitude towards filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and when his work doesn't translate as well, um, uh, it's it's when the director kind of agrees with uh, his 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 solipsistic cynicism. Who directed adaptation? Uh, that was that also Spike Jones. Let's find out. Yeah, that may have been. Yeah, I think that was Spike Jones. Okay, it's interesting. I would wonder what yeah, if if Spike Charlie Jones. if Charlie Kaufman uh, did a movie with Chris Columbus. That would have been very interesting. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, or or like Robert Zemeckis or someone like that, you know, that kind of stuff where you're just like No, not Chris Columbus. Not I'm not who's sorry, I messed up. Not Chris Columbus. That's stupid. Oh Chris um, uh, Chris Cunningham. Chris Cunningham, yes. Yeah. That might be wild. No. I think that would be wild, but I think it's like I think it's too no. much on one side, right? It's that's like, right. It's too much on one side. You need somebody to interpret his brilliance in right. a way that they have that puts like um with um, you, you know, sunshine, uh, spotless. It's Gondry is such a genius visuals. Yeah. I mean, he's a genius director, but visually to interpret his brilliance. If you were right earlier, you can't have somebody who would be subservient to him, yeah. but an right. equal, but saying, give it to me, I'm going to give my visual spin. So right. it really is a select few of directors who successfully do that because we'll talk about once we go to, Bondry, but man, you watch that again. It's like it looks, yeah, it's so layered. It's unbelievable, and you need yeah. a genius, a visual genius, to interpret his work. Yeah, because he has to bring it. To, like this is like, this is actually a great way to say Eric, because like I think that like I, I totally agree with that. And uh, it, it's like it's like adapting a novel, right? Like yeah. you don't want to just do the novel; you want to do what the novel inspires you to do. That's right. right. Like that's how to make the great adaptation. And I feel like these guys do that, you know, and Jones also does it with adaptation as well. You know, it's like where it's just like they find some, some, some inspiration in what the screenplay is. And then they take it to this other level. Uh, and whereas you watch like being human or some other scripts by, uh, by him. I like, I try, I've tried a couple of times to watch his new Netflix movie, which I believe he directed himself Kaufman. Um, and I've just like, it's being so, human, I didn't like. Yeah, being human is not that great. But it's like it's so, uh, it's so it's so already depressed that yeah. I'm just like it makes it a very it makes me res- reticent to buy in, you know. Like I need to be if I guess like Eternal Sunshine is a real fucking that's a gut punch of a movie and it it gets you there because it invites you in. It's like it's it it pulls you in uh, because you love what you're seeing. And then it punches you as hard as it can in the stomach. But if it's like, you know, well, if there's a it, sign on the front of the door that says like free stomach punches, I'm probably not going to go through that door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, but it's also because of the tone of it way you can connect to the audience with these regrets and life and, oh, yeah. and yeah. bittersweet memories. People, everyone can relate to it. Right. And uh, that's really the gut punch that you, you're talking about. And it sticks with you. Right. It just makes you wince. And I think that the, the difference between these two movies and uh, is that uh, uh, with, with uh, Ma- Malkovich, like, what makes Malkovich fun is that everyone is despicable. Like, and it keeps you at a distance because 
virtually everybody is unlikable in that movie in a, in a really fun way. Like, uh, yeah. like Cusack is a fucking horrible, brutal narcissist, like from a to Z the entire time. He can't see it from any other perspective. Um, and, uh, and everyone else, even the likable characters are like so embittered and so, you know, sort of cruel and backstabby and snipey and all this stuff that, you know, the fact that it's like, like the fact that Jones makes it really fun, like puts me in a mood of just like, I want to see these characters get theirs. This is very entertaining, you know? And so every time something worse happens to people, I'm like, nice. <laughs> it's a comeuppance movie. Uh, whereas you look at uh, Eternal Sunshine and that is not a comeuppance movie. That's like, you like these people and, and you don't want to see it get worse, but you know, it's inevitably going to get worse. And uh, as it also gets eaten away. So yeah, I think this is an interesting pairing to, it's very revealing of, it's like, I feel like the, um, um, how can I say it? Like, uh, what's his name? Who, who wrote apocalypse now? Uh, John, John Milius, right? Yeah. Like John Milius is this, was this sort of crackpot right wing gun nut guy. Right. Uh, very interesting character, you know, but he's this, you know, in Hollywood was known as this sort of brazen, you know, uh, pro Reaganite, you know, he wrote red Dawn, that kind of shit. Right. He wrote, the, did he really? Yeah. And so like, <laughs> yeah, I think he directed red Dawn actually. Um, he, he wrote and directed like, uh, he wrote, or he wrote, he, he direct Conan. He might've directed Conan the barbarian. Right. Yeah, this right, is, this gotcha. is his mindset. And so he writes apocalypse now and you give it, you give apocalypse now, uh, the screenplay, which is this right wing crazy thing to Francis Ford Coppola, who's a left wing crazy person. And right. then you so end he up with turns it into thing. irony. Yes. <laughs> like then it becomes brilliance. Then it becomes brilliance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to, similar to, uh, what's the, when we keep talking about, um, uh, uh, when they go to bug planet. Um, um, Oh yeah. 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 Starship troopers. Yeah, like Starship troopers. Exactly. Yeah. Like Verhoeven detests the book, hates everything that it stands for. So his movie is brilliant. He's like, this is my fuck you to that book. And then, then it's right. a really energetic, very funny, really brutal movie. Did Verhoeven also do uh, RoboCop? Yep, and Totally yeah, Calm, yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He like his his American run is almost unparalleled for like critiquing yeah. America. It's pretty hysterical. Yeah. Um, and then you Just see get Arnold to do all of it. Oh yeah, and you see then you see <laughs> it's like his, his European work is very like. Uh, artful and serious and beautifully made and then he comes to america and it's just like okay guys you want to you want to see america mirror to america's face yeah. here it is you know we should do some of his early films oh yeah le- like spatters is yeah it's terrific see he is yeah. a terrific terrific director he is he is an unsung hero of directing because i think that people see his stuff like robocop and they think that he's like some schlockmeister and actually it's a that's a real work of art it's really it's it's so flawlessly done and people just don't know how to read that stuff. But uh but yeah, Starship Troopers, like I, I was still like watching Starship Troopers when he was in the audience, in the end, when Doogie Hauser steps out in his Nazi outfit, right? And he goes up to the brain bug and touches it and goes, It's afraid and everyone on the screen cheers. Everybody in the theater was like, Yeah I was like, Whoa <laughs> Wait a minute, are you guys watching the same movie I'm watching? Because that dude's like Dressed Albert Speer style. <laughs> this is right. bad, right? Albert Speer style. <laughs> like this is this is bad. We're cheering for the wrong people, but people in the audience didn't seem to get that. 
Why are we cheering? <laughs> yep. Uh, okay. Let's see. Uh, so we want to go. We want to go over being John Malkovich. I think first of all, the concept of being John Malkovich is is you know at, le at least at the time kind of brilliant, right? Mm -hmm. It's literally getting John Malkovich to play himself oh, yeah, in the movie, good. which you don't really know is going to happen until about third way through the film and it actually ends up happening right very strange thing uh the thing that sort of came because i hadn't seen this in a while, long time is all the gender gender swapping stuff I was like, oh that yeah. was kind yeah. of an interesting yeah. thing yep right that's, interesting these days. that's true these days it becomes a lot more it becomes a lot more interesting to think yep. about what that yep. that process was very true uh so uh let's talk about the story real quick and it is you know it was interesting is like my kids watch it and they're like, mm, that's too weird. <laughs> right. And it was strange, which strange to me and Karen, and I are having this conversation because I don't know what's up with like, they, some kids just don't, they're not into it anymore. They're not trained for weird to, to challenge their reality. Nobody is. Nobody, I don't think, I don't but, think that's an, that's not an age group thing. That's like, nobody that, wants that stuff anymore. Which is, you know, Karen says, when I was, freaking 16 years old i watched pink flamingos for god's yeah, sake yeah exactly and no one no one was no one wants to be challenged anymore well the thing is i think that and like i think it's like a, we can look they want to live in the echo chamber the echo chamber is what the problem right is. well yeah like the, like the, it's it's very think of it this way like everybody because i think that everybody is suffering some aspect of this people of different ages suffer it in different ways but basically like the advent of the way social media and the internet work right now has made everyone so fantastically anxious all the time about everything mm -hmm. and everyone the uh, amount the amount of distrust is at an all-time high like oh we, it's just insane Chris, um, you know what i'm talking about. yeah i do it's just it's it's a it's a it's a radical level of just background anxiety for everybody and so quite naturally people do not want to experience stuff that is going to make them more anxious. They're going to look for things that ever, lots of people can agree on and feel safe together with. Right. And, uh, and so when like, you know, like you get like David Cronenberg shit and all this kind of like, people are like, what do you, what do you do with this material? Like, how do you, how do you process I'm, a movie that I'm, stars a bad person? You know, this kind of does. I, I think, I think possibly, and I could be wrong. And most of the times I'm correct as you guys know. Uh, but I think it's, possibly um accessibility as well like just thinking about my childhood um you know if something caught my eye it wasn't like i just go to an ipad and download it and find out there was like i had a search i had to make an effort to really investigate right and or you had to ask your parents parents yeah and there was a thing about it like you know i just there's an effort. And if you're constantly inundated with imagery and ideas and stories, but you don't take the time to unwrap it, you, you have no way to pick something and, and explore it. Do you know what I'm saying? So right. when this comes up, it's like, oh, I got to when you say, oh, I have to think it's like <clears throat> it's more like just give me the deliver the product to me. And that's fine. I don't want to think. Right. It's right. like an, a movie on an airplane right. and it's really not good. And right. that's why music is so different now, right? It's like there's 
and they don't listen to whole albums. They just listen to little fragments and move on. Right. 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 And so there's, there's curiosity is gone. Well, I th- th- yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I just think I th- really do think this is true of like everyone our age and beyond as well. Like everyone likes to talk a big game about how fucking, you know, how they like crazy shit. But when it comes down to it, you know, you come, you come home and you pop on, uh, you know, uh, love, love is blind on Netflix. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, like that is the, it's the com- comfort is easy and it's all, and it's all over the place. And I agree with you. It's sort of like, it makes it very, like, there's a tyranny of choice problem that happens when you have this much availability where everything is, everything is treated with, and I think this is true of all subject matters, like everything is treated with equal value. And that's not very helpful. Like everything is treated that the, like, and that's why like people's reaction to big movies is like, it's either a 10 or a one. Like there's no way to have something thoughtful. That's the true of everything, by the way. Right. Because if you go to (laughs) Amazon, you don't see reviews of two stars or three stars or four Mm -hmm. stars. It's five. If it's satisfactory, if it's satisfactory or one, if it's got a small scratch. (laughs) Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And there's no, there's no because like you're afraid to do anything else. Like either I'm, I'm incredibly mad or I need to say everybody need to convince everybody this is the very best thing. So I don't second guess myself, you know? And like, I think I'm just like, where's what, what use is this? You know, and this is not like, like, doesn't, this is not a generational issue. This is like everybody I know, you know, engages in this at some level, you know, and like their, their age bracket may put a different spin on it, but it's the same anxieties and same fears and basic paranoia that's causing all of it. Like, it's weird that our reaction to this thing that has made us so paranoid uh, is not like, I mean, in the seventies, when we discovered that the government could completely lie to you 100% and destroy democracy, like our reaction was to make great art about how paranoid we were. Right. Right. <laughs> like it was just like, well, shit, that really freaked me out. It's going to make, I'm going to make really challenging, crazy art that deals with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now our reaction is like to paper it over and forget about it as fast as we possibly can. It's the same thing we did. I mean, you made the same point about nine 11, right? We were like, Oh no, no, no. You know, we used to, how we reacted to Vietnam yeah. <laughs> was a much, I think healthier and yeah, trying to help us it. grow. Right. As a country, when we try to make our art around Vietnam and now 9-11, we're like, nope, we're just going to pretend that didn't happen. And and then it comes out in our art in awkward ways all over the place. Yeah. Like all of superhero films, which are power fantasies. Right. Yeah. Like they're not just power. They're not just military power fantasies, which is totally true. No, no, it's personal power. They're personal power goodness fantasies in which we we are so good that we would no one would ever do this to us again. You know, right. and, uh, and like well, only the very baddest of bad people would, you know, want to harm us, you know? Right. And I'm just like the, the assumption of goodness constantly, instead of like looking at ourselves and saying like, wait a minute. Cause I mean, like I, I said before, like I happen to have the weird experience of being on Manhattan for nine 11, uh, which is, mm-hmm. you know, both quite, you know, obviously terrifying, but also sort of like very, it, it made a difference in my life in a, by processing it was a very positive effect for me. It took a long time. Um, but it, it, it made me think better of people in terms of like their reaction to horrible events. Like prior to not nine 11, I would have thought that 
if something like that was going to happen, Manhattan would have burned down in a giant free for all of stealing and burning buildings, and that would have been it. Um, right. But instead, everybody came, got their shit together, and everybody cared for everybody else. And I was like, "Whoa, humans are good," you know. And and it made me think, like, what happened to the people that did this? That they thought they were the good guys. Like they're not. Like they weren't going into this going like, "I can't wait to get my horns in hell." Like they're thinking they're doing a great good in the world by killing 2000 people. Why, why do they feel this? How do they feel this? Like what, what happened, what has happened to the world that they are so confused that this is the true? thing that bothers me. The thing that bothers me the most about that is that after nine 11 happened and you had all these people on the news saying the reason they did this is that they hate our freedom. Yeah. It's nonsense. And that is right. this. That's the problem. Yes. Yes. Because that's not the truth. And the and reason the they did this is because right. they don't like how we're interfering in the Middle East, specifically in Israel. Right. Exactly. And like this, right? Is the, this is the root of this stuff, right? And, and, for, and well, so however you want to feel about it, that is, that is actually You could, should say that specifically and right. realize like, oh, wait like, a minute. Why are they upset again? in the Middle East is incredibly <laughs> difficult. There's all sorts of power yes. brokers that are making this happen. This is extremely complicated. And as long as we want oil, like this is really going to be a complex issue for us. Right. Right. Yeah. That's the way. And that's, that's not because they hate our freedom. Right. They don't give a shit about our freedom. <laughs> right. And the thing is, like, I hear that, like, that, I've heard that echo in my mind. The, oh, it's because they hate our freedoms. When I listen to people on, oh, I'm a, I'm far leftist, but when I, when I listen to people on the left and on the right talk about the other side, they say shit like that now. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. They, they absolutely do. Like, oh, the reason is, is because these people are nuts and they want to, you know, whatever, change society in this way, or these people are nuts and they just want to blah, 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 murder pub. Like, like this, these ridiculous straw men that we build to, mm -hmm. to, to, to reinforce to, that we think we make ourselves comfortable by believing in and actually makes things more dangerous. And like these, this is where these lines come from. We've been, we were infected by extremism. Listen, listen, listen. I'm not saying that all Republicans are racist, but I am saying <laughs> that racist people do vote Republican. <laughs> well, it's like the idea that that I mean, from from both points of view, the idea that one half of the people in the United States are racist. <laughs> well, are want you dead? They want, want you, you dead. dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, and yeah. I'm I'm saying this from the right or the left, whatever one you put on the sure, page. Sure, sure, sure. The concept. That one half of the United States actively wants you to suffer and die and are sociopathic murderers is unlikely. Yeah, I, I don't think that's <laughs> like, I think I that's unlikely. Well, this is the way we talk about it, though. Like, that's, I that's what it I is. But I, I don't, I just think a lot of people in this country, I'm an independent, truly, even though I came from a super conservative family, mm -hmm. Republican family. Um, I just feel like there's a lot of people who, um, feel like they've left out and have no voice, of course, and been marginalized. And I yeah. think I don't think there's so many people are. Um, it's just hard for them to imagine they're marginalized because growing up, everyone had an opportunity. To, they'll always do better than their parents, right? And all of a sudden, we have you know, there's a huge drug problem right now, mm -hmm. right. and it's affecting that group of people. But I mm -hmm. always look at it, you know, someone who's lived abroad a lot and traveled. It's like they're still your part of the country. I try to find ways to just 
you know, find a way to just still say, you know what? Yeah, I know they're kooky. Well, I moved here to a kooky yeah, land. Like right. I can't relate to anybody here, but I still am like, yeah, they're citizens. And I'm not trying to be. Yeah, they, these are Americans. The sky. Yeah. Right. Uh, 100%. Americans. The hundred percent. It's and I, so know, I'm just reacting to. I don't think they want to kill. I feel a lot of people feel marginalized well, because and yeah, well, they like, call it what? the flyover mm -hmm. states for a reason too. I right? know, I mean, but they still right. are part of our country. Well, this, right? this, this, I know. Well, this is what dig this, our, you know dig right. for oil and shit. I mean, yeah, this is this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying is that like if you go online and ask anyone on the left about the right, what they will describe to you is a is an army of orcs. Right, it's an yeah, army of monsters. It's true, and it's right. Like, and if you go online and you ask anybody on the right to describe the left, they, it's an army of orcs. <laughs> like that's just what right. this is the way we think about each other right now. And I'm just saying, like logically, like if people saw thought for a second and said, like, okay, it, realistically, is that even scientifically possible? It's not. Not even no. in the slightest. The, so, the other like, the other problem I have is that. that is is that news. The, the, uh, the art of news or telling <laughs> telling thing has been completely commercialized yes. to the point where they have to in the only way they're going to get people's attention is by by taking everything that's out there and making it extreme and feeding it a specific uh, yes. bias that that's right. going to serve their audience. Well, like, that's, but, that, that Martini that's Giant recommends for... network, <laughs> like C yes. network. <laughs> C network. By the way, just that's the, what's speaking of us. news, mm -hmm. something that happened the past three days, I truly believe it's the Franz Ferdinand of our time. The, oh, well, with the assassination of the former, um, yep, yep, uh, prime minister. I think it's going to snowball, and you think it's going to snowball into another war? I think it's going to snowball into terror issues. I, yeah. I honestly do. I, good, I good, just, well. when I saw it, I, and my wife is Japanese, I just was like, there's something so strange about that and the way he shot him and the whole scenario. It's almost, and the people loved him in the country, whether, yeah. you know, it's uh, economically terrific for that country. It's just, you know, maybe another country supported that kid to do it. I don't know. Yes. But the point is, it's going to, that crazy lone person just could have start, could start. The next world war is crazy. There was yeah, something like, it's, about it's certainly it, a I dangerous just... mindset to see be successful. Like I don't like the idea of that being like people especially considering like how hard it is to get guns in that country too. Also, yeah, exactly. <clears> which, as opposed to other was, countries, which I was listening to that, and he made it himself. Yeah, he made you it. You know, himself. it was pipes, and, right. and and but the thing is, in, to get a BB gun, you have to re-register every three years and take a test, and. Um, the test is like three hours long and then you have to go in the field for a BB gun. Right. Yeah. So it's, uh, so if people can make guns, then I, I actually think it's more, everybody has a mental health issue. Like all the, yeah, well, like have, we, we are, we are running up against some, I mean, this is, and for literally everybody, we're running up against some really, uh, difficult psychological issues right now. And, uh, and the internet is not helping. Like it is, it is actually exacerbating things and the, right. the, the, the things that people are coming to believe as natural fact, like about how to treat one another is really radical to me. Like it's really, really strange. I mean, like, this is like, I am like my, when you look at like, like how I vote and what I talk about, like you will find me to be as 
Noam Chomsky, like leftist as possible. I'm super leftist on every social issue, like all that stuff. Um, but I think that we all have to look at how we are. It isn't what we, it isn't our sense of policy. It is our sense of extremism. Like I was thinking about this. I was in the conversation the other day with a friend of mine. He's just like, I was just like, yeah, I'm really far to the left on virtually everything. Right. Uh, and he's like, well, you gotta be careful. You don't want to just wrap around to the other side and become right wing. I'm like, I don't think that's how it works. Like, like you can, like you can wrap around to the other side to like, if you become an extremist in anything, you're an extremist. Like that's where things end up being the same. Like if you believe that, that you have to kill other people because you're so terrified of them all the time, like you're an extremist and most people are starting to act like this regardless of what they believe. I was, I've been listening to a lot of Norm Macdonald lately mm-hmm. and I saw a whole series of his jokes on Hitler and it's the fucking best. <laughs> God bless Norm, man. He was something. <laughs> He's like, you know, uh, you know, uh, I, mean, look at, I was uh, looking into that, uh, that Hitler guy. <laughs> he's really not a good guy. <laughs> yeah, he's really not a good guy. It's like, it's like, it's like I wonder, it's like, uh, how's, how's that guy, uh, you know, how do people really like him? And it's like, oh, he's a great public speaker. I mean, have you heard that guy speak? <laughs> I was like, you know, that's not a silver tongue, wonderful, right. <laughs> smoothing person to talk to. Right. All right. Norm, Norm's really funny. He says, you know what I should do? Uh, we should go kill Hitler. It's like, but he's already dead. Really? I didn't know he was sick. <laughs> <laughs> the best. Oh, I didn't know he was sick. Yeah. I, I was okay. going to throw out Eric. Uh, you should look up uh, what Werner Herzog has to say about uh, Trump voters. And I think you'll be very surprised because he is uh, actually like, he is actually quite sympathetic, not to towards their what, plight, <laughs> that, well, not towards their crazy beliefs, but he's no. sympathetic to like, well, this is why they're acting the way they're acting. Like, yeah. yeah. Look at the stresses they're under. Like in any well, other country. Well, 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 for, okay. So Werner Herzog, first of all, is a very good documentary person. And as a documentary person, he always tries to understand what the people that he's, yeah, he's raw empathy filming. all the time. Yeah, no matter what. right? As he doesn't have, it's it's not like what's his name, uh, you know, who has a very specific political agenda. Right. What's what's his name? Michael Moore, whatever. Michael Moore. Yeah, choices yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's he's but but you know, look, just look at like the the bear one we did, right? Grizzly. Yeah. Grizzly. Tremendous. Yeah. Like, tremendous film. He is trying to under, like this, everyone else is like, this is a crazy man, and he's like, right. but why? Why? Why is he? Cra- I mean, I why? Why is he? Why is he like this? Right. Yeah. yeah. I well, like, you know. First of all, I like crazy people. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- that's why I'm doing a podcast with you two. But <laughs> hey, uh, but uh, but that, that is was I kind think, of a cheap it, shot. But I'm going to move forward. That's a valid um, point, though. Really, if you think about it. But it is, <laughs> and I'm not. I'm actually being serious. You guys are different than most people right Amen. you have a specific like non-alcoholic whiskey <laughs> <laughs> you have a point of view you have a way of looking at things that are different and i appreciate that and also sometimes i think it's an underrated voice like specifically eric i think has uh brilliant thoughts uh, and uh, not enough pe- pe- more people should know about him so that's what we do and they never will Right. I'll just (laughs) die alone. And hey, but here's the just to get back into that point. You were saying, Chris, that you 
the quote you were saying that you disliked everybody. Um, the point, no, the point was you talked about Hitler and marginalized people. Germany was marginalized after the Treaty of Versailles. Mm -hmm. And the country was marginalized for those 10 years. So marginalized people reach to anybody who can just pull those strings. Some fucking brown shirt knucklehead comes and starts screaming about like, oh, it's these guys that did it. And that's what Trump did. He just, and you know, he's an opportunist. You can say whatever you want about it. But he basically saw a a group that was marginalized, much like in the 20s. Yeah, and empowered him. Sure. Exactly the same. And like, that's the thing is like, you know, like the, the, uh, you, you look at how, like, for instance, you look at how, um, how we, uh, reconstruct, helped rec- well, reconstructed Japan and Germany after World War II. Like, we go in there and we do the opposite of what Versailles did. Like, Versailles was punitive and broke the back of the German economy and it created an incredible depression and people suffered. And that's what created the groundwork for exploitation of, uh, people's anger and in to avoid that when we beat the nazis uh we go in and we flood the country with money and schools and we rebuild everything and we'll stay there for years and years and years and we build an economy give them mcdonald's give the fucking mcdonald's <laughs> like everything we can possibly do um because all you need to do is just is have one generation get born that isn't mad like that's it because once those kids are born and they're not mad that's the end of it that's the end of the one yeah macarthur did that with japan yeah macarthur did that yeah exactly i mean like the the japan became one of our uh like one of our top trading partners but they their integrity was was they were their culture and integrity was respected yeah absolutely absolutely it it was but what it also did is that it made everyone inside of Japan look at what they were and realize that that was not a good thing. Yeah, it gave it gave everyone room to it's assess what was going on without judgment. Because the Japanese were judgment. pretty evil, were doing some pretty they horrible were things. Yeah, very yes, cool. they were. Very, very cool. It's interesting. When last time I was in Japan, um, we were my wife, daughter, and I, and I met my parents over there like five years ago, and somebody was showing my mother we were at a print a place with these rare japanese 19th century prints and the guy was said you know about world war ii he mentioned he's like most unfortunate (laughs) you know and i was like yeah that's the way he looks at it most yeah and look at look at look at what how germans feel about hitler they're like oh it's an embarrassment right yeah and then that's and that's the thing is like you when when things like and these things inevitably happen, because I mean, like, I, who, how do we like, get down this path? Yeah, because we're tired. We gotta get back. We gotta get back. We gotta get back to Malkovich. We'll, we'll no, get back to Malkovich. Yeah, yeah, like, no, we're gonna finish. We're gonna let this train okay. get at the station. Don't worry. Don't worry. But like, it, it's <laughs> like the like when you get into um, a state of mind like that, where it's just it permeates. It's it it's it's everywhere. Like everyone has the similar state of mind. It like the Japanese didn't think of themselves as doing evil things. They're just like. This is their perspective from where they were at at the time of World War II. It made sense, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And from the outside, you're like, you do not understand how the world works. You're being incredibly cruel. You're treating people inhumanely, and this is horrible, and all this kind of stuff. They were that. That is not what they're aware of because they're looking at it from an entirely different worldview bubble, right? That had to be reintegrated with the world, like. And as you said, like after we win the war. We do this respectfully, like we work with them to rebuild their country and their culture and give them room to uh, partner with us 
So it's a stable environment again. And so if you take those, how we work both of those things, right? That is the successful way to beat a viral evil like that. I don't believe in people being evil, but I believe that acts are evil and you can get evil things happening. That now we're facing that in the United States, like the way things are growing out of control and quite extremist, like our reaction to it is very Versailles. Like it's radically unforgiving. And I can, I could, I would bet dollars to donuts that that will make it worse before it it better. Of course. Like if you don't come at it with the idea of trying to stop it, you are going to make more of it. Right. That's just the way it is. And so like when, yeah. like, but, when this... but here's the thing, here's the thing. It's very, it's very straightforward. Uh, <laughs> it comes down to advertising. I'm not even kidding when I say that, right? Mm-hmm. The way you get people to stay onto your station, either your TV station or your news platform or your, um, uh, your Facebook page or whatever, they, we, they know for a fact that happy stories don't engage people as much as angry stories. Yes. So when people are angry, they will stay more engaged on your platform. And yes. they know that turns into better advertising dollars. So right. the only way to do that is to make sure that people are angry at whatever side that they're angry All about. The time. Keep yep. that constantly going right. and they get paid for it, right? Right. Because I don't see Maybe we could use Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson is making a shit ton of money by making people angry all the time. Yeah, that's what he does. And the thing is, like, because, like, ultimately, what, if we what did happens that for our podcast? We just made people yeah, angry. Then we get that, this is probably why what's so fucking poor is that we want to make people happy about movies, and instead <laughs> of doing, we just turn it around. Exactly. Yeah. Well, here's here's okay. Here's my here's my uh, redirect back into what we were talking about. Okay. Okay. It's it's that um, people click on angry things. Um, because it makes them feel safe to know that people are angry. Like it feels really? like my, my team is growing. We're all mad. So I must have a big team and I can feel safe because so many people are mad and it makes you feel confident. Anger makes you feel confident. Right. And conversely, uh, when you see things that are alien to your perspective, that rock the boat for you or feel weird or challenge what you believe, that is f- that's potentially fracturing. Like, like right. if, if we don't agree on what is cool, then you might be an enemy and I'm, and, and worse, you might convince me of some of these ideas and then I will be out of the, I'll be out of the bubble. I'll be out of my, mm-hmm. off my team. Right. And that idea is what pervades say like Marvel versus Scorsese. Right. Uh, <laughs> or it says like, I don't, or like, I don't like to watch weird things cause I don't want to be exposed to stuff that's going to make me upset and separate me from my safe, Comfort my zone. group safety, you know? Right. And like everyone, everyone is so anxious all the time. Group safety is primary. It's just, no one wants to challenge, to be challenged. Uh, uh, it's anymore. unsafe to be challenged. It's because right. like, because because not only because like you might be upset by and something, I, it's, it's that you might be convinced by something. That's professors worse. are really, really, really having a hard time in schools because some of the schools, especially schools that are a lot of universities these days, are become very uber uber left wing, yes. and they're challenging students with some I, knowledge based on things that are going on, and they're being accused of microaggression against the students yeah, for I'm, teaching them things. Right. I'm I I. 
this is I, I I take a stand on this because like this is that is not what I understand to be leftist. Like let to be leftist is to I, want to challenge yourself and to I, I expose yourself. I know exactly <laughs> like this is what the left has come to mean is essentially right wing idealism. Yes. And I, and I think it's bananas. I think yes. it's, it's literally the opposite of what we used you to cannot, be. You cannot, you can, everything is offensive. Yeah. Everything. Like, like it used to be, look at like left, leftism in the sixties. And it's like, everybody's human and we all can understand each other. Now it's like, I'm a human and you have to prove you're a human. That's it. Wait, right. Sorry. We need to give you the Voight comp test. <laughs> That's it. Voight okay. comp. Yeah. I can't take that stuff. All right, all right, all right, all right. Let's get to Malkovich. So, story, story, story. Because the point is, we're going to tell you about a story that's very, very strange. You have to follow along. I uh, highly recommend you watch the movie, especially the next, the next one being uh, Eternal Sunshine, because it's amazing. Uh, but we are, I know, we're almost 50 minutes into this, and we barely talked about it. So, let's get into <laughs> it's it. It's one of those days. Uh, I'm all, I'm all lit up on this Giant. stuff right man. It's good stuff. You're all lit up on, I think it's the whiskey talking, mate. <laughs> right. uh, so, it does have alcohol in it. <laughs> this, this may not be spiritless. <laughs> I think there's a little spunk in your spirit. (laughs) That's right, man. Kentucky's pulled a trick. (laughs) Okay. Uh, For those of you who were not following at the beginning of the podcast or just joined the stream, uh, uh, Dan is trying a alcohol-free bourbon, which to us sounds like it doesn't make any freaking sense. So we're we're judging the fact that I think it does. I think he's lying. Someone lied lied to him. So light. Yeah. It's like the uh, it's like the the frozen yogurt in Seinfeld. It's got fat. It's got yeah. fat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the deal. Uh, we start off with um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, John Cusack. Yes. Uh, who who plays just uh, 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 like you were saying? All of the people in this are dislikable into so many, in so many ways. It's completely different dislikability, but all of them are dislikable. But he is a puppeteer, uh, literally a a puppeteer. Uh, He does marionettes. If you guys know marionettes, different from puppets. Marionettes work on strings. uh, And he loves, he's obsessed with puppets. And he constantly makes puppets and does little plays with his puppets. And... Whoever does the actual puppeteering, I don't think he's doing the actual puppeteering, is unbelievable. You look at this like, mm-hmm. I oh, didn't yeah, know it. I didn't know that you could make marionettes that expressive, uh, yeah. which is kind of amazing. Uh, but he does these little stories behind his marionettes. And uh, we learned that he is um, uh, uh, jobless, <laughs> right? Living in New York. And we meet his his girlfriend, this is what I actually thought was very interesting that Spike Jones is to this. This is his girlfriend is, uh, uh, Diaz, right? Yes. Yeah. But you don't really notice, like you don't even barely see her oh, face. Frizzle no. wig and you barely see her face. And it's all face for the weird. first, for the first two thirds yeah. of the movie. You're like, she's just yeah. like a, like a background character with yeah. a voice. That's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's right? she's dressed like a bag lady, man. She's like really, 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 really absolutely. Bag she's absolutely. a bag lady. Like, yeah. So, so it's 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 actually kind of brilliant that it's her, and you I can barely make her out. <laughs> yeah, she's great in this film. And at the yeah. time, she was just doing those ditzy movies, and then all of a sudden, yeah. she does that. Right. She does this. Yeah, that's great. She that's was great. doing what uh, something about Mary and all that other yeah, stuff, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, but this was brilliant, right? And so find out that she owns a pet store or something and it's constantly rescuing random pets like a like a, a, a chimpanzee with with a, a post-traumatic stress and all kinds of you know things like that and so they're constantly having to give medication to these animals and he's just he, John Cusack just has nothing to do with it he just doesn't give a shit right right, <laughs> right? Um, which is really kind of funny so she finally convinces him he needs to go find a job somewhere right uh, and so he starts looking at the wanted ads. He finds a listing for someone who can use his fingers really fast, <laughs> like something mm -hmm. like that, right? Right, right. And so I was like, huh, that sounds interesting. So he goes to the interview, and it's the he looks at the directory, and it's on the seventh and a half floor <laughs> of the right. building. Right, right. It's so. Uh, that's brilliant. So he gets it's a into, half floor. <laughs> it's a half floor. So he gets into the elevator, and who who's the woman who's on the elevator? Because she was she was nobody at that time. Who's her oh name? yeah 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 yeah. Hang on for a second. Uh, uh, Octavia is that her name? No. Yes. Yes. Wait wait wait. She's um, Octavia. Oh God, I can't remember. Anyway. Uh, he gets on the elevator. He's looking for the seventh and a half floor button, and there's nothing. There's a seven floor button and an eight floor button, and and then she looks at him and she goes, um, "Oh, seven and a half." She goes, "Yeah, I'll here, I'll, I'll I'll show you. I'll take you through it." And so it's a giant crowbar at the edge of the elevator, and then you notice the door is all bent to shit. Yeah, <laughs> Octavia Spencer. Octavia. Octavia Spencer. Spencer. Yep, right. There you go. And it's all bent to shit. And so she goes at seven floor and he goes past seven and she hits the bang, stop button right after he gets to seven. And then just like pries the door open with a crowbar. And there's like a kind of a half floor there. And he gets out and it's a super low ceiling. Everyone's crouching, but it's otherwise a completely normal right. floor, which is weird. Like it's just right. just low floor. And just building that set must have been awesome. Oh, God, really yeah. yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah, like that's good. that must have been a, that must have been a long day <laughs> to act on that set. Yeah, it's just constantly down. crouching out. Like you can't wait to sit down where you actually can keep your back straight yeah, for a little right. bit. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it was really really quite quite funny. So he's working in a company. It turns out that the skill that they need is going to be for filing, uh, and he's very good at sorting through things, et cetera, et cetera. So that's he's going to get the job, which is fine. Mm -hmm. uh, he's basically his fingers going. His task to get the job was the best. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Tell him, Eric. <laughs> it was just basically he, he asked some – he makes two – one, a number on a, a note card, and the other is just a scribble. And he's mm -hmm. like, how would you file this? It's like, well, that's – you know, it's just the way One's a number, it, and the yeah. other one is not. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And then the, the funny part is like the guy, the old sea captain guy, you eventually find out he says, I have a speech impediment. Uh, well, right. Well, his, his secretary, his secretary keeps misinterpreting everything that John Cusack is saying. Everything. Like it, she clearly hears something different than what he said. Right. And right, he goes, right. I can't understand a word you're saying, she says constantly. And it's like, and he's like, okay. And then she goes to, that's his secretary. And then he visits the boss and the boss is like, can you understand yeah, what, I'm saying. My, yeah. what I'm saying? I'm so sorry for oh, my you, speech you, impediment. He's like, he's like, I, I can understand every, kind of everything you're saying. He's like, oh, yeah. 
No, I can understand everything. Which is sort of a great metaphor for how people can make their their problems other people's problems. (laughs) Like they can convince other people that they're that they're messed up when actually they're the ones who messed up. It's pretty hysterical. I think it was like she went to Johns Hopkins and studied. um, She was speech impedimentologist or something like that. It's like what speak uh, impedimentologist. Like yeah, speech right. impediment, <laughs> the way he described her, it's right. like no, I don't think that's real. Uh, it was very <laughs> funny. Those little the subtlety of it was great. Right. Very funny, very funny. Uh, anyway, so there's other offices that are on the seventh and a half floor, and he runs into someone who works at the other office, which who is uh, played by Kathleen Keenan, right? Mm-hmm. And she is. Uh, businesswoman, but super hot, like empowered woman, like yes. woman in power. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, Very in control. Has no time for nonsense. No nonsense. Yeah. And is like, when he's trying to be nice to her, she just says, you just want to see my tits, you know, like that kind of situation. Right. Like right. just, just constantly wants to undermine, make someone else feel inferior, makes them uncomfortable. Right. She's, she's all into that. Uh, and she's, She's a horrible person. Yes, <laughs> She's an absolute right. horrible person. Wonderful actor. Like, kind of wonderful actor. Wonderful actor. Yeah. And a very interesting person to come into this situation. Mm-hmm. Because we should also know, know that John Cusack himself is a very he's an, he's he's not a good person either. He no. very, very selfish, doesn't care anything about his wife yeah, he's, or he's all of her pets. He's, just he's a complete narcissist. narcissist right. Yeah. He only cares about well, himself. Yeah. And the first thing he wants to do when he meets this other woman is get go get get in bed with her, <laughs> like immediately, yep. like like not even trying, yeah. right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So um, so then this sort of that's when we start this whole thing. So now we have our, our our cast of characters, or at least part of our cast of characters, before we are introduced to the uh, to titular character. But uh, we have uh, you know obviously uh, John Cusack, who is the narcissist puppeteer. We have the wife, who is the uh, overly caring uh, mm-hmm. uh, person, uh, a very emotional person uh, attached to animals. And then we have Kathleen Keener, who is like the 80s power chick, you know? Yeah, right. right. <laughs> and then we have the also the old sea captain who's like, who the hell is this guy? Weird, <laughs> right. weird person. He's not really a sea captain, but we'll just call him the gold sea captain. Sure. There was, no, anyway. Um, so at one point... He was an old sea captain, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Was he? Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, We're talking about or- or- Orson Bean there. Is that yeah. Orson Bean? Yeah, yeah, it's funny as well. I, I remember him particularly from The Hobbit. He's uh, one of the voices in The Hobbit, the old cartoon. Right. Yep. Different to the same guy. Right. So, uh, uh, okay. So then the next thing is uh, he is uh, filing stuff and is in a cabinet, and one of the files that he's supposed to do falls behind a filing cabinet so he gets annoyed he has to go find the file so he finds a way to take a dolly move the filing cabinet out of the way finds a uh, a, a wall um that is uh and there's a door behind the wall or a, a, a board that's blocking a hole and then he opens it up and he sees a hole and it's like literally this deep tunnel it's just gross tunnel yeah Right, it's a tunnel. Nasty, right. nasty long tunnel. Nasty long tunnel. So he is curious about it, starts going down the tunnel, and as he goes down the tunnel, he starts getting sucked into it, 
And as he gets plopped to the other side, he is looking through John Malkovich. Yes. The actual eating actor, toast. Eating toast. <laughs> and reading the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> and we know it's John Malkovich because he, he sees himself in the mirror, and et cetera. So that's so that's why we know it's John Malkovich. And the experience lasts, what is it supposed to last, like 15 minutes or something like that? 15, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, and after that 15 minutes is up, he is uh, spit out uh, onto the New Jersey turnpike. <laughs> on the edge of sense. This is such an original script. I mean, yeah. it's, it's so funny. Yeah. It still so, holds up. It's so brilliant. Yeah, it's just brilliant, right? So this is, now you're like, okay. So this guy gets sucked into John Malkovich and spit out. He works in the eight, seven and a half, uh, uh, floor, and he's just like so far. We're like, okay, this is where is this going? <laughs> where it's happening here, right? Okay, so that's the experience. Obviously, very comedic, and you realize this is really weird and very funny in a lot of ways. So, um, he starts to explain it to a few people, and then I, I forgot the transition here. Talks to Kathleen Keener, right? And mm -hmm. then she, they decide. She says, "People will pay money for this. That's monetize it, it. Yeah, right." right. And so I was like, let's totally just have people want to be want to be someone else for a day, whatever, something mm -hmm. like that. They put up, um, and so people uh, continue to go into John Malkovich constantly, <laughs> right? And it's lining up to do it, yeah, lining exactly. up to do it, and they're paying two hundred dollars a pop to do it, right? And doing it after hours, uh, but then something. One, go ahead. Yeah, I think one of the things the the real pivot point is that. Um, John Cusack goes through it, goes back, tells his wife, and she does it, and it's really transforming to her. She wants to become right. a man. Right. Yeah. So right. she says it's she is very excited about being a man. Right. 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 Or being John Malkovich being right. A man. This is who she was born to be. You know, like that she's been right. missing something in her in her current in her previous existence. Right. And so that is an experience that she wants. And what's right. interesting is that uh Kathleen Keener gets excited about her as well. And what she decides to do is that she goes, the, the Cameron Diaz goes into John Malkovich and Kathleen Keener seduces John Malkovich mm -hmm. to have sex with him so that she could feel what it's like to have sex with a woman. Yes. Yeah. Right. As a man. As a man. Fantastic. <laughs> and this is John Malkovich. Keep in mind, John Malkovich is playing himself who's going through this process. Right. Right. And he's also being weird about that, about himself. Like mm -hmm. he's not an innocent person in this situation. Almost. I mean, he is slightly, but not really. Like he's the victim, but he's not necessarily innocent. <laughs> like, he's right. a, like he's he's as weird and bad a person as anybody else in this. Yeah, because he wants to have sex with random people yeah, and call exactly. them up all the time too, right. Right. which is also weird and funny. Um, so yeah, so that's where where we are with that situation, <laughs> uh, and uh, and so that's what that's what uh, you know. That's basically where everything gets about sticky. Fame, though, like how everybody just wants to be. Well, you know, it's, there's a reason why it's 15 minutes in Malkovich, right? It's uh, fame, fame. Yeah, your 15 minutes of fame. Right. That's the yeah. idea. Right. 15 right. minutes in, of of Malkovich. Everybody's got their 15 minutes in Malkovich. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Actually, you know what, guys? Uh, before I move on, I got. I just realized I'm. I'm getting. Uh, I'm as you guys can see. I'm actually recording outside because uh, too much mm -hmm. is going on in the house. Uh, but I'm being bitten by mosquitoes. Oh yeah, no, go for it. Go <laughs> so I'm gonna go get some uh, some a solution for this problem. That's uh, right. But but uh, yeah, you guys go ahead and keep talking, and then we'll get back to to. Not by the way, for all our stuff. listeners, we are one of the very few podcasts that actually podcast from outside in environment. It, that's true. Exposed to right. all the elements in the environment. And that's a unique selling point for our show. I'm just trying to point that out. Well, except is. for me, but this is all built in Unreal 5. But, uh, but yeah. Chris is actually outside. <laughs> I do want to say, I do want to say, uh, also just remind people, I'm going on a quick break, uh, opportunity for you guys to subscribe to our feed on Twitch. We would appreciate it. In fact, you can, you have, if you're a Prime subscriber, uh, you have one free Twitch subscription you can give every month. Uh, I would appreciate it if you believe that ours is the one that deserves your free uh, 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 subscription. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, we'd love your, uh, your subscription. So uh, go ahead and do that for us. It would be really appreciated. But I'll be back in just a few minutes. You guys keep talking. Excellent. Excellent. So when was the last time you saw this movie? Probably four years ago, four or five years ago. It's been, uh, it's been a little while, but not very, not very long. Yeah, I, I would say mine's closer to 10, 8 to 10. Yeah. It's been yeah. a while. It's really brilliant. Spike Jones is just a brilliant director. Absolutely brilliant director. Like, his sense of realism is really profound. You know, like, he, he manages to have this very realistic tone and vibe to all the performances and the way he shoots. And he allows room for things to get so strange that you don't even realize how strange they are until it, like, turns a corner. Yeah. It's really, really brilliant. I, I, uh, he's one of those directors that I mean, he only works like once every you know, good Seven many years. years. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but you know, I was a big fan of, uh, uh, I loved uh, Adaptation. I loved her. And uh, uh, I don't know what he's working on next, but I'm, I'm definitely invested in that dude's career quite a bit, mm -hmm. quite strongly by now. Going Dree, has, has he been, is, he's made he's, Science of Sleep. I love yeah, that. Yeah, Science movie. of Sleep. Yeah. And he, I don't know what he's doing now. I'll look it up. Yeah, let's see what it, what his latest. I think he has been mostly making films uh, back in France. Uh, oh, okay. I think. Let's see. Yeah, so like he, um, yeah, actually, it looks like he's done a lot of short work, like tons of short work. Um, he he did. Um, let's see. Like he did. Uh, yeah, because he, I can, you can see where it goes. He gets off the of movie train because like he uh, does a bunch of reasonably well-respected things and, and he does Green Hornet. And once he does Green Hornet, which fails, he does one more movie that's popular, which is Mood Indigo. And then after that, it's uh, like he does Microbe and Gasoline, but no one's ever seen that. Um, and then it's all short films after that. I, his that? office, when he did Green Hornet, I was working on the Sony lot for uh, Roland Emmerich and his office was next door. I met him once I went to his office. It's a cool um, guy. Yeah. Nice. Really cool guy. And yeah. uh, he yeah, did he a lot of uh, Chemical Brothers yeah. Uh, yeah. music videos yeah. too, right? Yeah. He got his ass handed to him on Green Giant. Green yeah. Hornet. On Green Hornet. Green yeah. Hornet. Yeah. That's that. Those types of projects are the kiss of death, man. Yep. Yeah. That I'm seems too. to have broken his, his uh, movie back right there. That he did not want to deal with America. Yeah. And it, it, it didn't make sense. No. It didn't make sense. Like, right. Yeah. And like a lot of those just, just don't do them. Just don't do them. 
it's yeah. a ri- it's a risky thing. I mean, every now and again you get the uh, the Joe Joe Kaczynski deal, but most of the time you get the. Uh, I think Joe did it right because when Joe did Tron, that was his first film. He was fine with him just learning the ropes of the studio system. Yeah, right? he played ball. He totally played. Ball. He played ball. He made it happen. Yeah, and I, think and I, I think that's. I, I meant that as. I mean, that's a good thing. Like he was just like, right. I know, I know what job I'm taking, and I'm going to do that job. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, a responsible way to look at. Yeah. If you can do it, yeah, he's not for everybody. Shit ton on Top Gun, man. Probably oh, dude, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I know that like Cruz. Uh, he, I mean, he's probably Cruz is probably going to clear like 135 million personally past what he was already paid. That's right. So right. Kaczynski made a lot on Top Gun. Oh yeah, they all get back end deals on that thing. It's great. They all got back end deals. Oh well, yeah, I'm hoping awesome. Joe did. I mean, at this point, he's done enough stuff credibility wise. No, he's happen. he after Top Gun, man. That's a, like a billion dollar movie. That's he he is. That's right in your own check right there. Yeah, that's great news. Yeah, he's set. He's set, which is great. I'm happy for Joe. Yeah, nice. good guy. Good, good fella. Good guy. <clears throat> uh, he's the only director I've ever worked with who asked me what my noise threshold setting was on the rendering because it looks so good. Nice. <laughs> he's like, not hey, even, not even really- picture? Not even no, he right. says, no. this is a really clean render, Chris. What's your noise threshold on That's there? a noise threshold. I was what? like, yeah. that's funny. <laughs> um, okay, so where were we? Uh, so now we've established this a strange. Uh, 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 what's the uh, threes company? What's the what's the term I'm looking for? Where uh, slapstick uh, tri- yeah, triangle, triangle relationship, right. love triangle. There you go. Uh, problem and and uh, Malkovich is the vessel that they're using to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. This angers. Mr. Uh, 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 obviously, uh, Malkovich, 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 Malkovich. The, 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 well, we'll get to that one <laughs> in a point. One but of the great ang- moments in the film. It's one of the greatest moments in the film. But this angers uh, 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 John Cusack because uh, not only both his wife and his girlfriend are cheating on him with each other, and yeah. that just and to someone who is as narcissistic as he is, he is pissed it off really about it. Home. Yeah, it really yeah. hits him, and so. Uh, 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 he, oh, right. So that you're right. Let's do the Malkovich thing because that's before this happens. Uh, Malkovich finds out about this situation that's going on, finds out that what the fuck is going on? Right? <laughs> that, that something's happening to him. Uh, and so he sneaks into a, uh, he sneaks in, he, he registers to do this thing to go into himself he and stands at the back of the line. He stands at the back of the line. He's, and he's got an I Love New York hat, which is hilarious to me. Right. right. Uh, and, and his sunglasses. And he's just trying to look like a tourist, which is yeah, so funny. Right. Uh, but uh, so uh, he, he shows up and then he finds out. It's like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. It's you. And then he gets really kind of upset about it and decides to pay money to go into the portal to go. They into, cop it for him. He's yeah. cop though. Into his own oh, right. head. <laughs> into his own head. Right. So when he goes through the portal to go into himself, everyone, he's in a restaurant and everyone in the restaurant is him, including all the women who are, you know, obviously head replacements yeah, are done. Right. Really great Everybody, effects for that time. Oh, it's really terrific. good so effects for funny. that time. And, so funny. And all they can right. say 
is Malkovich. Is Malkovich. <laughs> they say Malkovich, Malkovich. Even Malkovich. the singer on the piano, Malkovich. And she, it's a very busty woman with yeah. his hat on, yeah. right? Sorry. And I think what was also interesting is that, uh, you know, they actually did, they did that scene inside of Adaptation. Remember that? Where they were, because they were filming Adaptation and it was about the Kaufman brothers. Right. right. They, they, they set it for adaptation. That's right. They yeah. redid it so he could be like there. And it was Malkovich saying, all right, everybody, let's try to get this on the first take. It's very hot. It's very difficult. Everyone is wearing these, these masks. masks. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's it was so really funny. funny, but that's in a different movie, obviously. Anyway, so he goes Malkovich, 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 Malkovich. And then that's hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Yeah. I do want to note, though, at one point I was uh, 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 doing my commute back when I was working and lived in Toluca Lake and commuting to Santa Monica. And I would go through um, the Hollywood Hills and I would go through Beverly Hills to get down there to, 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 and I, there was a Starbucks on the way and I would stop by the Starbucks and get a cup of coffee to break up my drive a little bit to make it more interesting. And as I break up my drive and I got a cup of coffee, I put my cup of coffee down on, on a table, not realizing that someone was sitting at that table uh, and I, I said, Oh, I'm sorry. And he, and the person said, Oh, it's okay. And looked up and it was John Malkovich That's cool. uh, at that table. And I got so close to Malkovich, 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 Malkovich. Oh I was okay. so close to saying that. I was so, so in shock. I was like, Malkovich, Malkovich. I didn't say it. But I just, my, uh, oh. my, my favorite John Malkovich story <laughs> is one that Matt Damon tells on the set of rounders. Right, mm-hmm. where it's just like they're filming rounders, and they've been like, and they've been shooting most of the movie before Malkovich even shows up. Like he's the like everyone's like, oh, okay, Malkovich is going to be showing up on set. Nobody's worked with him yet, blah blah blah. And they've already gone through, you know, like more than half the movie with it without even meeting the guy. And it's right. Damon sits down to uh, to uh, start the scene, and like, it's nice to meet you. Great, 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 great. Okay, that's it. And uh, and the director's like, okay, so. Let's um, let's roll. Let's see what you got. And now, if you've seen Rounders, you know that Malkovich's accent and Rounders is like one for the books. He plays this Russian poker master, and uh-huh. he literally he, he literally talks like this, like pay that man his money. <laughs> like, it's, it's so over the top. Like it's like it's like miles over the top, and it's like uh-huh. consistently hilarious. Like it's one of my favorite parts of the movie, even though it's like it's total like vaudeville. Right. right, and uh, and so he goes into his accent and does the whole thing. It almost sounds Italian right there, the, right. <laughs> like, like Mario Brothers. But uh, <laughs> and Matt Damon's like he's telling the story. He's like, and I'm just trying to act my way through the scene. I'm just like, is this like a, a joke? What's he doing? Because he can't he can't see the vision that Mal- Malkovich has for this thing. He's like, this guy's got to be fucking with me. And they right. they go cut, and the director's like, great, great, let's keep on going, right? And then we break, and there was just. You know, Matt Damon saying, it's just me and Malkovich sitting at the table where everyone's sort of resetting lights and everything like that. And Malkovich just looks at me and goes, I'm not a very good actor. <laughs> That's funny. I'm, I'm not a very good actor. <laughs> like, that absolutely blows me away. Uh, Smiles at him. I'm not a very good actor. <laughs> uh, uh, do you ever see the, I think I put it up on our Discord. Uh, the uh, Bill Hader t- uh, imitating John Malkovich to John Malkovich. <laughs> you ever see that? Cool. 
I don't sound like that. <laughs> it's like, you sound exactly like this. No, I don't. I don't sound like that. Yes, you sound exactly like this. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, I think that, I mean, like, Malkovich would have been iconic anyway, but this movie cemented his... It, it, like the Malkovichness of Malkovich, like right. after this movie came out, it was just like that's. I just think there was something like they picked exactly the right bizarre. It could have been a William Defoe would have been sure. another good one, right? Yeah. But I think Malkovich has got a slight creepiness to him. Yeah, it's uh, it's so unlikely. He's he's like the, there's an arrogance about him, yeah, just like right. the arrogance, yeah, the pompous uh, pomposity of him, just like the guy that. Um, uh, he was, uh, what's his name? A Cusack. Oh, Charlie Shane. No, envious of that other puppeteer. Right. There was. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh right, right, right. The puppeteer. Right. That right. was hilarious. Hey, who's who's the big magician who puts himself underwater all the time? It's, it oh, yeah, like, like David Blaine and like. That it's guy, like right. the David Blaine of puppeteers. Yeah. Yeah, like so he's, funny, and, yeah. and but but we should like the the puppet uh, that Eric's mentioning is like the, there's a guy who he hates. He's like oh I hate that guy, and that guy has like giant puppets like off to, like the London Bridge like yeah, huge. Just huge. <laughs> They're like hundred foot tall puppets, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but like Mal- Malkovich is like a master at the, like one of my favorite roles for Malkovich is in Burn After Reading, uh, where he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's writing, writing his, and he keeps on calling like, well, I've been working on my memoir. <laughs> like right. the, the way he says memoir is one of the funniest things in that movie. It's just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. He's such a, like he has such a great sense of like entitled. Uh, uh, pride all the time when it's not like even remotely earned. <laughs> it's unbelievably satisfying. Oh, of yeah, yeah that's a great film. We should cover that sometime. Oh, I love Burn it. After Reading. Fucking hysterical yeah. movie. That's a very funny movie. Okay, that's a good. One. Put it on the list. Yep. yep. Actually, go. Uh, someone put out, go on their Discord and and well, just so it's a reminder for me to do. It. Ah. You can put it in Founders or whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, uh, so, so where were we? Okay. So now Malkovich has gone inside of himself and, uh, John Cusack is extremely upset, uh, about the whole situation. Um, and he decides he is going to go inside of Malkovich and what he figures out when he goes inside of it, because he's a puppeteer, he is starting to have the ability to literally puppeteer, uh, Malkovich. Yes. Right. And, uh, he's starting to get the hang of that whole situation. Uh, so uh, <laughs> it's, and he also has the ability not to, to make it last longer than 15 minutes. So he's basically controlling Malkovich the whole time. Yeah, you just live inside Malkovich and live Mal- Malkovich's life. Right. Yeah. Now, the, Malkovich rules. No. Now, now, I forgot what goes on at this point. There's something weird about that happens now. I don't remember what it was. Uh, he's I'm talking. Malkovich. Kathleen Keener and him are are doing something. Oh yeah, they're going to try to exploit Malkovich's money, basically steal from him, right? right? Right. So that's the situation that's happening, and at which point uh, Cameron Diaz is very upset because she wants to be with Kathleen Keener and she can't get inside of Malkovich and this whole ordeal that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she meets with the crazy sea captain guy, right? Uh, crazy, crazy sea captain. Oh, she she does. Oh, right. She find she goes to visit him because she's upset about something, 
And then she goes into a room and see, goes in one of the rooms and one of the rooms has uh, 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 pictures of Malkovich everywhere of its entire life. Mm-hmm. And she's like, wait a minute. Tracking so, so, the whole time. Tracking the whole time. And then we find out that the guy is actually like, you know, 700 years old or something like that, right? right. And preparing a vessel. And preparing a vessel <laughs> to go into. And this is how they do it. And right. so apparently there's a group of people uh, that um, what they do is they survive by entering other people's bodies and staying within their right. bodies and right. keep riding this, this train. This very gets a little... Yeah. Vampirish bizarreness. Right. right. This, is, this is where it, the, the story to me starts to get a little too fantastical because it's actually it's trying utter, to spend... it's utterly bizarre like everything like right. at that point you're just like all right i guess so <laughs> like it's sure so fucking awful sure. Right? right but it but it, you know everything else was like whatever this one is like no we're trying to explain it to you why this is happening and i'm right, like right, i right. don't think i, I need, need the that explanation. explanation it's just weird yeah yeah i like i like keep... the i like the villainy of that move i think that's pretty great yeah i think that, yeah. that's that's very fun like they don't need to do other, it again. It's perfectly well about it. The other thing I think is hilarious is that Malkovich is asking advice from Charlie Sheen, which I think is oh, really so good. Wait a minute. Crazy girl. You know, <laughs> when, he, when he calls, he's like machine, right? And then Mal- or Charlie Sheen calls him Malcatraz. <laughs> <laughs> Malcatraz. <laughs> God. Incredible. Totally that incredible. was when that first I first saw that film. That was it. Just blew me away. It was the funniest thing. Oh, it's yeah. the pairing of the it's two great. was great. It's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. brilliant, oh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, it was um, so funny. I remember at the time because every to see Charlie Sheen with Malkovich was was very funny. Yeah, was good. And the fact that they're like good buddies, they clearly don't feel I like know. they're buddies. Yeah, like how do you <laughs> even possibly know each other? <laughs> like this yeah. makes no sense at all. <laughs> yep and they're like john charlie <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's really funny uh anyway so now the story basically i'm trying to wrap it up because it gets but a the interesting thing about this is that this was film for me was the first time i looked at cameron diaz as like a real actress yeah she's actually right? quite good right yeah, it's great. and then the same way with jim carrey with uh sunshine eternal sunshine sunshine yeah well, I'd know he had, Eternal Sunshine was after Truman. Like Truman to me was kind of an, like a transition. Yeah, both. Of I, yeah, that's true. Flawless, that's true. So. Right, but 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 Eternal Sunshine is like brilliant. Like it's he's really really good in that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Those are those are very meaningful movies to me. Those things, both of those are under under. And what's under her name? Served. What's her name in Eternal Sunshine? Because the only crap she did before was Titanic. So her credibility was Kate shit. Winslet. Yeah, <laughs> Kate Winslet. <laughs> <Yes. Sorry. laughs> Uh, I'm just kidding. Anyway, um, uh, so so Charlie, she, uh, uh, hold on, where were we? Um, also, John Cusack was very good, but we already knew he was good uh, in a lot of ways. Um, and Kathleen Keener has always been fantastic. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, the, the acting is the thing is that you, you, you the only way you're going to make something like this work is if you have actors who can really pull it off. Too. Like everyone's treating <laughs> yeah. it completely seriously. That's why it works. Yeah. Like, yeah. no one's treating it like it's a joke. Like, there's no slapstick yeah. to the performance whatsoever. Everyone's very high-stakes performance, even though what you're but, seeing doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but at this point, by the way, I should note that Kevin Diaz turns less into, like, this background voice into very much a prime in your, like, you know, primary actor, right? Mm-hmm, She's right. now, in your, like, become very important. Right. And so 
what happens after this is that um, uh, they they decide that they're all going to uh, uh, the group of people, and including Cameron Diaz, are going to have to get into they have to push out. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, John Cusack, and all enter uh, his uh, Malkovich's body by a certain deadline. Of course, there's right. always a deadline, like mm-hmm. last minute thing they have to do. Um, and then what happens is after that happens, uh, 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 Kathleen Keener is very happy because uh, because uh, she has has sex with uh, Cameron Diaz all the time. They get pregnant. Uh, and then the idea here is that um, the new vessel is Malcolm will be Hitch's, born, right? Yeah. Will be the born, new, right? The new, the new uh, possessable thing, possessable okay. thing, right? right. Uh, and it's what you're forgetting think, about the, it, it's the thing of though, like well, he, I, I, Cusack, I, I, I forgot something. The Go Cusack ahead. goes into his body and starts to like live his life through Malkovich's mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. And that was the best because Malkovich all of a sudden becomes a serious. Um, oh, right. He leaves acting entirely. That's He's right. Malkovich leaves puppeteer. acting, becomes a master puppeteer, and he leverages the fame of Malkovich to actually make And the his best puppeting. was like when he was in that study, it looked like an NYU kind of study. He's like, no, 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 no. You didn't do it. You didn't react with the body. He was coaching these young students. So, it was so. Oh it was so, so funny. So funny. Yeah, that was, that was really so funny. Stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just, it's just, just Malkovich being able to make such a direct parody of his life and existence. Yeah, and he his fame. It, man. Yeah, so good. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if it took a lot of convincing for him to do that. Yeah, because no, you know, like good. imagine like saying you know, uh, like imagine it's like you know, uh, being Tom Cruise, right? Like that that affects like being John Malkovich affected his the rest of his life, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone thinks of that name and that movie work together, right. locked right? it in. Yeah, exactly. It's locked it in. Being Tom Cruise would be like uh, I don't know if I could do that, right? Because right. <laughs> right. it would affect his fame, which is such an important part of who right. he is. And it wouldn't right. play the same. It wouldn't be the same joke. It wouldn't play the same. No. Right. Yeah. Would he? Would Tom Cruise do something like that? Can you well, imagine? he did. And, and he played. He played. He parried. He, he parodied somebody else, but into the uh, Tropic the, Thunder. The Tropic yeah. Thunder was that right? But that was it. He was. He was parodying a, a very specific producer. Yes, right. but he still kind of he put himself out there in a in a, a way that wasn't very Tom Cruise ish. Well, I think that, and I, I love Cruz. At least Chris for me. Great. But like the, I, I think that he's very good in that. I think he's really, I think he's particularly great in Magnolia, like his uh, Frank T.J. Mac Magnolia was great. Oh, yeah, he's really, so horrible. Yeah. yeah, he's such a vile, awesome character in that thing. And, um, and I think, I think he's a terrific actor. I think that he has never done something quite like what Malkovich does here, where Malkovich is like, he, he feels like he's accidentally in the movie. Like he's just sort of like, like he would want to not be here if possible. Like there's there's no showing yeah, himself out of it at all right. about his performance. Like he is like, get me the fuck out of this situation, and he utterly commits to that. As opposed to like in any any other actor, including the great Tom Cruise, I think would be the Tom Cruise ness just of him, not his skills. Like would overwhelm that. Like the the, the stuntness of the role would overwhelm it. Whereas Malkovich is in a position in his career where 
it wasn't a stunt. He, it's he's playing a role and he's doing it perfectly. Like he was he, like he wasn't so famous that it would overwhelm the presentation. He was just famous enough that you feel like you're getting a documentary peek into his life, and that's what makes the thing work. Right, and and that's the thing, right? They always they start off with the mundane of him eating toast and leaving the crust and reading the Wall Street what? Journal. Right. The script right. was originally with um. What's his name? With Malkovich, right? It was written yeah, with Malkovich. Okay. Yeah, from the get-go. Wasn't right. like it was you know, being Burt Reynolds. So imagine, imagine saying, I just wrote a movie called Being John Malkovich, and you go to John Malkovich, and you pitch this to him. And he says, yes. And then saying, I hope he likes it, because it's all centered around him. It's and I don't, you know, do you, do, you, do you have several of these scripts? And it's like, okay, I got being John Malkovich. I got being, being Burt Reynolds, being, yeah, exactly. Reynolds, being yeah. John, Tom Cruise. Like, you know, like, you know. oh, but that's what they would do being today. Kelly they would, a, they, 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 would make a, they would make a series of these and they would, you know, have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the franchise of the being, the franchise, being, the, the, being the, verse. The being, yeah. being verse, yeah. <laughs> Has anybody made a Dean Martin bio? bio? It must have been made by now. I don't I can't think so, of any, but it seems like it'd be nice to. Yeah, I love Dean Spike Martin. Jones just did a documentary about the Beastie Boys. Yeah, he did for Apple. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Yep. I also love the Beastie uh, Boys. That's a great combo. Yeah. The Beastie Boys, they got it going on. <laughs> All right. Okay, so where were we? Uh, Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich. Okay, so basically, the thing that sort of bothered me a little bit about the end is that somehow they put a little bit of a happy ending on the end of this. Again, where... Well, they have a very funny, mean ending for John Cusack. That's the thing I remember. Yeah, Go ahead. The, the, tell him that one. Where John Cusack ends up being trapped in the, in the body of the baby. And yeah, right. uh and so like and he can't control it. Uh and so he's just forced to stare at like you know, Catherine Keener the and, two of them. Yeah, like all day long. And like the, the ending line when he's just like, Look away, look away, look away. <laughs> like it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. So I really enjoyed Do you think that, that was a reshoot or was that part of it? I don't know. I think I I it's such a great tag. It's one of my favorite tags. Really, really good little last thing. But I do have a little bit of a problem with Kathleen Keener sort of being an adoring mother and a loving person because she yeah. never was that person. She, yeah, <laughs> nope. she, it's a big character change for her, sure. I mean, people do change like that in real life. I've seen sure. that, but it's a rare. That's thing. why I ask if it was the real ending written. Right. I think, I think right. it's definitely dialed in there so that you can have the John Cusack gets fucked story. Like, absolutely he's got to get his like he is for he you know the next for the next you know 60 years he's gonna have someone looking at the person that he's upset at through yeah. those eyes and he, yeah i yeah. get it um but yes but yeah is, I, I think uh, that's it'd be unusual for such a um selfish person as Catherine keener to evolve the way that she does for the uh, for the ending of the film i agree right i mean cameron diaz i yes because she sure. is the ultimate, which is the, the irony of this. I think there's a big irony, right? Kathleen Keener mm -hmm. is a tough person, right? Mm -hmm. She ends up being the female character in the relationship. Right. Mm -hmm. And the super softy, overly caring, very motherly, 
it's the male masculine nature. force. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's very funny. Yeah, it's a it's a really clever, nicely done bit of work. Like, like it's I think like like I said, like I I don't think it ever gets beyond novelty per se. Like it doesn't have no. anything really deep to say, but it is extremely clever about what it does, and it's ridiculously funny. Like it's just a it, raw. It's just raw comedy. It's perfect. It is very very funny, and I think it it is. <laughs> Uh, it's a way of doing something original without it being like, look at me, I'm original. Like it actually right. just like, nope, it's really going to be original, right? Yeah, it doesn't. It, it doesn't make the audience pay the price for it. Like it's just like it. It wants you. To, it wants to convince you. It wants to bring you on board. Right. Yeah. I, I, what do you I, mean by pay the price? Well, like I, because I, I, you know, I like all sorts of weird ass movies. Like, uh, like I. Uh, so I'm not saying like I don't like oh, arty stuff or people shouldn't have an author, you know, um, authorial mark or anything. Like I love that stuff. Obviously, it's like I love, uh, you know, playtime. Wouldn't be playtime without being like 100% Tati. You know, like you don't want it to be different than that. Um, but it's a risky, it's a risky game, and you have to do it for the right reasons. Because if you're doing it because you want to show how smart you are, you're going to blow it. Like you're just going to blow it. And like, you should always respect the audience first. And I think that even Tati did that. Like, he's like, I'm trying to create an experience for, for, for an audience. The audience may or may not like it, but I want them to be it. They are, that's what this is for. And, uh, and we're even like Tarkovsky or any of these guys. They're not like doing this because they're, um, they want people to praise how, smart they are they're doing because they want to communicate something and i think that spike jones knows that uh that having an empathic view towards how the audience is receiving this is the best way to play it like not being weird for weird sake it's it's a weird thing that's trying to be as normal as it can and that's why it's easier to get on board you know and it allows it to get really weird because like it can't help itself Oh, I agree. Um, let me ask you a question. Is this on your viewing for the show? Were you is equally excited or did you just start seeing flaws? Because you, you kind of say it's not a deep film, but did you feel that way when you first saw it? Did you think it was a deep film? Yeah, like I've never really gotten anything new out of it, I guess. Like I always just enjoy it. Like it's always yeah. like, you know, it's like, a, like, and I, when I say that it's not a deep movie, it's just like, I only say that because Spike Jones has made really deep movies. Like he's made movies that I really think about a lot. The change as I think about them. Uh, like and this is, Like, uh, like I felt that way about where the wild things are. I felt that way about her, you know, like I felt that way about adaptation. Um, like these movies sort of mutate the more I watch them and, uh, they have stuff to say that like, I continue to think about past the event and I don't really do that with this, but that's like, I don't mean but that. Do you think but how, he hasn't really done many? Those are, none of those that you talked about are comedies. Yeah, they have a comic this, edge to them. Yeah, this nah, is this just is, this, this is, is this is a comedy. Like this is a this comedy. is a comedy, right? And so, like, I think that there's like, for instance, I think there are deep comedies. Like, I think that Tootsie is a very deep comedy. Um, that is sure, one, but that's not necessarily something that Spike can, Jones can do. Right? Yeah, like it's like it's just like like it's only, like I don't know like. I don't want to oversell my criticism. I'm just saying like, it's a, like, it's sort of like, you know, like I don't think used cars is very deep, but I fucking love used cars. Like it's an incredibly funny movie. Like I don't need it to be anything else, you know, or like animal house or, you know, uh, or young Frankenstein or any of that stuff. I mean, these are just like, it's just hysterical. Like it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to like make me ponder the, you know, uh, the depth of the universe. It's just doing what it's doing extremely well. And so like this movie is just sort of always maintained that, and I think that 
like the way I appreciate it more as the years go on. I'm like, this is a really like I liked it when it first came out, but like I don't think I really appreciated like how crazy this was for being like for the that time for that time period. Oh yeah, like I was like I was very you know, and I, and I try to remain in this space, but I'm just like I like very much in the zone of looking for movies like that when you know when it came out and so it was just another good weird movie that was you know that was picking up uh whereas like now i'm like that's a really rare movie and it's an even more rare movie now like like this is this is a very strange picture to have been made yeah and and, and, you know you're not going to see movies like this you're not going to see movies like naked lunch yeah oh man yeah so uh wait there's some well well, and this is okay. Here's another one. Uh, uh, um, 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 what's the Johnny Depp uh, one in Vegas? Uh, uh, oh, uh, yeah, well, uh, uh, fear and loathing. Fear and loathing, right? Right. Fear and loathing, and any that's not going to happen. Right. Like Finish the fucking story. <laughs> like Cronenberg, Cronenberg has had a decent success with his new movie, but that's because now he is brand. an established brand, right? And yeah, right, uh, like the puppeteer. Yeah, he's the puppeteer. Um, and Think I, about like, that. Yeah, like I <laughs> There's uh, actually some logic to that. Sorry. There, there are like I think there are good. There have been some good weird movies made in the few, past few years that I've really enjoyed. Um, and nothing's coming to mind instantly, but I know that if I thought about it, I figure out some. I think that there's probably more good streaming that's strange. Uh, yes, but it uh, has a broader appeal. But it's yes, exactly. Exactly. I was just going to say that the streaming picked up the weirdness. Yeah. But it's yeah. Like very... White Lotus. White Lotus has got a, some funkiness to it that feels right. good. But it's right? a broad appeal show. It's not. Right. It's not uh, being John Malkovich. Right. It's still no. like yeah, being John Malkovich is very. It's a pretty angular movie, and it's like. And, really and that's the that's elbows. also the thing, right? It's like I, you know, it's it's interesting. I you know what it reminds me of. I think I've told this story before, but I'll, I'll put it out there again. So there was a guy I used to work with uh, uh, back at, at DD way back in the day. And uh, he was a, um, uh, before, before doing visual effects, he was actually a real estate guy, right? He worked for like Century 21. Mm. So to him, the concept of architecture was like crown molding, you know, uh, like the, the 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 real estate point of view of sure. what a house should be, which is to me like the downfall of all of architecture and design in the United right. States is is Century Twenty One killed architecture, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And so, uh, so anyway, so that was his view of like, oh no, it's got to be this planned community and like this whole Americana like suburbia is right. know, the, from just, poltergeist you know, like poltergeist exactly exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so 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 he had this idea of what architecture is, right? And so. Uh, we went to, uh, it was, I was with Eric Hansen and Eric Hansen went to go to Hennessy and Angles, as we've mentioned before, it's an amazing, mm-hmm. uh, architecture uh, bookstore, uh, architecture bookstore in Santa Monica. And we, we went to look at some books. And so this other guy who was, you know, he's looking at some crazy architecture books and he's like, this isn't, this is crazy. Look at this. They have a fireplace in the middle of the room. That's insane. What? And I was like. Oh, you think that's crazy? And so I pulled out these books from like, you know, Zaha Hadid and like, uh, you know, know, Frank Gehry now is more more well known, but he wasn't as well known back then. And, uh, you know, Morphosis and even some of the like, 
other things that are not unbuilt architecture, right? From like mm-hmm. uh, Asatropic and and uh, uh, you know Hani Rashid and uh, uh, and all those guys. And he was like, I, I it just blew his mind. And he's like, I don't understand how this is possible or why it exists in the first place. Like to him, it was like, what? Where's the crown molding? Like, like, like you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it just doesn't make good, any sense. What's that? It doesn't I'm, make any sense, right? right? And so I think, <clears throat> honestly speaking, when you look at something like being John Malkovich, it's like, where's the superhero and the villain and the this and the that? You know, like they, there's a structure that is comfortable yep. for that situation that people are just not willing to look for anymore. Right. Um, and I think we, I mean, we just, you know, we just covered that in many ways. And I'm like, they, that is not just challenge yourself. Let yourself explain. Yeah. This goes back to what we were just talking about before, where we get on, get on the, 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 the comfortableness of your, your hate for other people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. And I feel, Cause I feel like I'm looking up right now, weird movies, the past 10, the 10 weirdest movies of uh, the 2010s. Let's see what we got. Let's see. We've got some good ones. I bet we do. Yeah. Um, sorry to bother you. I love great one. Um, uh, killing of a sacred deer. Right? There's love, deer. yeah, great, yeah, great we love, love that movie. But but that movie wasn't necessarily super super popular. Yeah, no, these were not. That was not a big hit. Um, the Lure, a uh, mermaid musical, which is very strange. I like that one. Uh, and uh, let's see, you got Birdman, and, the, and then you get into things like a movie I love, uh, which I don't think anybody has seen, called uh, Uncle Boonmay, who can recall his past lives, which is marvelous. Um, by um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Apachat Pong Wizathakul, uh, who is totally awesome. Uh, and yeah, then we really get into then it has to dig into things like Goodbye to Language, which is by fucking uh, Jean Luc Godard, who's ninety. Yeah. <laughs> like we had to go to Godard, really? We didn't? We couldn't scrape up that many that that more people? Well, yeah. yeah. What is Kaufman doing now? Like what has uh, he didn't done? Like I right? actually want to give a shout out to a movie that I really enjoyed of his, um, sort of a, a dark horse contender for favorites of Kaufman. It's a movie called Anomalisa, uh, which uh, some friends of mine worked on, and it's an it's a it's a stop motion animated Charlie Kaufman movie that he co directed, huh. and it's a right. really it's one of his most gentle um, and sort of caring movies. Still about a narcissist. Still about fucked up reality um that's beautifully beautifully animated and has a very sort of kind ultimately a very kind theme to it that i like quite a, quite a bit let's see kaufman uh charlie kaufman now he also did this movie for netflix co- uh, called um it's uh let's bring up the imdb which i'm not going to complain about imdb is terrible can't find anything you know, IMDb used to be run by, by the way, I don't know if you guys know this, but I remember when it first came out, uh, way, 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 way back when in like 1998 or 99 or something like that, it was run by University of Louisiana, I believe. Really? Oh. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Or some, it was some, I believe it was University of Louisiana or some, or some, some place, or someplace in Louisiana. I believe it was, a, it was definitely a university site and uh, Amazon bought it. Uh, because wow. like, they, they saw they saw the the, the potential of data mining. Uh, which oh, that, for sure. Yeah. yeah, 
And it's I mean, so, this, this thing is the biggest trash fire in town. I can't believe how hard this is to operate. Like, well, it's now it's just like it's just, a, yeah, it's, it's, it's just trying to sell you movies as opposed to yeah. you looking up actual information. It's absolutely useless. And not, not only that, I'm going to bitch about them even more because for two years I've been trying to get my last like seven credits up on my page, and they just won't do it, no matter what. Why? Like, what is they, the reason? They won't even say it. We, ha- we know. We know. We know a couple people. By the way, we, we know so, some yeah. people. I'm good. Well, it's time to strong arm that jerks, man. I, I'm like, good lord! Like, no, I, it looks like I haven't worked in five know? years. You do? Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> Funny. Yes. <laughs> well, there's people. two peas in the pod. Those guys. So Dan, Dan it would be good for Dan. Uh, yeah. But yeah. The, the latest thing that he's done is called "I'm Thinking of Ending Things," which I have not yet fully watched. I watched about 20 minutes of it, and each uh, twice, and each time I'm like, I just, I just can't quite get the groove on this thing. I'm told it's great if I stay with it, so I will do that. Um, previous to that is Anomalisa. Um, Synecdoche, New York is prior to that, which is this other directorial effort, um, which I like quite a bit. It's a little bit, it's a little bit too repetitively bleak for me to enjoy, but it's nicely put together. Okay. Uh, uh, uh. bleak. Yeah. Yep. And he also did uh, the screenplay for um, uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, which I really like as a movie. I think it's a really good movie. With, Wait a uh, minute, which one was that? That's the one with um, uh, Sam um, Rockwell as uh, Sam Rockwell, Char- yeah, Perry, the gong show host. The oh, guy, the, I the guy know that. Said he was I gotta see CIA. that. No, dude, I gotta know, see that. It was fucking that's hysterical. I gotta <laughs> see it. That I missed that one, and I totally blanked out. Yeah, I want to see that because like, I was like, oh, I would totally dig this. I want to say that Clooney directed it. I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, directed by Clooney. It's super good. It's like a, it's 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 very very funny. Loaded with great characters. Rutger Hauer plays like this assassin's funny as hell. Absolutely terrific. Terrific. So yeah, like I, I'm a, I'm Clooney's a, just a giant I, man. I love that dude. God bless him. Who Clooney? Clunes. The Clunes. The Cloonster. The Cloonster. I watch him. He's the one that came up with like. Uh... Uh, two for them, one for me, or something like that. Didn't he oh, he's, that? Yeah, him and Soderbergh did. They know how to do it. Ocean's Eleven? That's like a cash machine. Right. What was the two for one? It was like he does two, two, two schlock films, that, you know, popular films that everyone's going to He goes and makes a movie that he wants to make. Makes, yeah. him, makes a bunch of money on that, and then he does... Does the Peacemaker, one, and then does whatever he wants. Yeah. And then he does, like, you know, s- you know staring at goats or whatever. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, that's huh. like yeah, once once Clooney and met Soderbergh, like his life really changed when they did uh, Out of Sight together. I, that's one of my favorite movies. I oh, can't tell you how much I love so that movie. Good. That one? is uh, Out of Sight. Sight. Oh, yeah. Clooney and uh, like I fell in uh, love with Jennifer Lopez in that one. Lopez that is one. terrific, man. Oh, you wanted to tussle? We tussle. Zane? Is it tussle? Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> so good. Yeah, I know. what's his name? Plays the, the stoner. What was so his name? Funny. Timothy Zahn, yeah. Zahn, he's so good. Uh, Timothy Zahn. He's in White Lotus. Is Which he? one is uh, he? Oh, yes. No, wait. He's great. Who is he in, yeah. Tim- who is he in White Lotus? He's the father. The guy oh, that right. Gets- yes. Oh, and by the way, if you, have you guys ever seen Happy Texas? No. Oh. Good? Yes. It's something maybe we should do. It's 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 a little lighthearted. Basically, the story of Happy Texas is two guys that uh, that uh, are escaped convicts in Texas, and they get up in a town in Happy Texas, mm-hmm. uh, and, and Timothy Zahn is one of them. 
uh, and they uh, they hide by taking over the identity of two people whose uh, truck they stole, who are um, pageant advisors, and so right. they okay. pretend to be gay. I this one. At, yes, yes. I this one. yes, yes, and it and it oh, had um, yeah, it's really really. I'm fun. writing this down. It's on it's yeah, it's called Happy Sorry. Texas. I love that guy. And it's got uh, uh, William H. Hersey, who uh, who is uh, plays Macy. Sorry, who plays the uh, cop uh in town who is also gay but has a hard time because he lives in texas he can't mm-hmm. find enough gay people what was the right. sam uh, rockwell one confessions of a dangerous mind based on the autobiography of uh, chuck was it chuck barris chuck, the, yeah the, the, gong, the gong show guy yeah yeah, the gong yeah. Show. so funny I we should do we should do that confessions of a dangerous mind and autofocus <laughs> Uh, that's another oh, one. Yeah. That's good. Man. I like that. Uh, autofocus. Tip top that, that, that movie, I think, yeah. made me the most uncomfortable I've <laughs> yeah. ever been in a film. So good. Yeah. Oh. Look for discomfort is the theme of this. That's episode. the one with uh, Greg Kinnear. Yes. It's yeah. the, uh, the, uh, what's his name? It's the, the best he's ever. I've seen, and Defoe as well. Yeah. So fucking uh, good. That was a really sad movie. Yeah. It was a very sad movie. Yeah. And it's it's you feel sad for a person that's so horrible at that when it, that's yeah or what's the other one that was really the the one that uh, the guy was a uh, who was a who was a pedophile but a psychiatrist oh god what's that movie that one's the one that really is the, the that the speaking pedophile? of uncomfortable movies oh, uh, he's a pedophile uh, and, and, happiness? and a psychiatrist. Happiness. Oh, Happiness. I remember that movie. Yeah, that's a fucking uh, dangerous uh, movie, dude. I love that movie. I saw it many times in the theater. The dude who who played that character is so good in that role. It's unbelievable. Yes. Like what a masterpiece of filmmaking that you that you empathize Wait with this guy is unreal. Yes. And it's with what's his? Um, it's got Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman was so plays good. The, the, yeah, he's really good. Uh, and that movie, I remember. Now, like, Welcome to the Dollhouse guy. Yeah, same guy. Welcome same. to the Dollhouse is, yes, it's excellent as well. You're yeah. absolutely right. But uh, that was the same guy. But I do remember, right? It was around the time that all these films, being John Malkovich, et cetera, happiness came out. And that was the time people were like lining up to go to the artsy to theaters to challenged. see. To yes. be challenged. And happiness had a sign in front of the theater, which mm-hmm. I actually feel is advertising and not yeah. a warning. Oh, and it yeah, said yeah. no refunds after 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. That's like, uh, because people are like, so no scary. To, <laughs> yeah, this roller coaster is so scary. And so to me, like, I think that's it, right? Like those are the films that really challenged us. And I'm not necessarily saying, listen, okay, it's a gimmick. Look, let's try to really shock you and make you feel really uncomfortable. Sure. But do it right. And it's, yeah, it's awesome. trying to get at something actual. Like it's using, like it's yeah. using, like you can make shocking, shocking movies. Like shock's not hard, but like to, sure. to do things that are strange so you can unearth something that's true is rare. Like right. that's what you should be doing when you're making movies like that. That's why like Mulholland Drive is brilliant. You know, right. like it's like it's actually it's it's getting at something that you that's hard to say in words, and you have to do all this other weird digging to get to. That's why it's valuable. You know, like, right. it, like there's no other way to get there. And, and I think uh, that emotion and the challenge and the pain that it causes inside of your soul is yeah. what's so hard, which is why people don't want to do it, which yes. is a perfect transition to our next film, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which is, I believe, 
specifically talking about how people are trying to avoid the pain of the reality of the Darren. Yes. Like this movie seems even more like relevant now. So relevant. Yes. It's not just about love. It's about everything in your life. Everything. Trying to edit your past. So that, Mm -hmm. yeah. So you don't have to experience pain is not tenable. (laughs) Right. It isn't do it. We try to do it all the time and it isn't, it isn't. I read an interesting article, which I'll share with everybody if they're interested about uh, this movie and arrival. Mm. Oh, interesting. The choices of your, because, you know, it goes back to, you know, um, oh God. Anyway, I will, uh, Nietzsche. It's uh, basically like, everything is pain and happiness and you can't have one or the other. So you just have to accept that. And the choices they make at the end of this film is that, well, we're going to do it again, even though we know it ends up in pain because we want to experience that. And it's the same as arrival. So I thought it was an interesting pairing. Yeah, no, that's a, that's actually a great point. It's a really great point because like I'll a, share a, that article, if you guys want to see it. Yeah. yeah like, cause oh, like, there's that, the, the image from Arrival that really got, I love that movie. It's an incredible movie. It's a great movie. Um, like when Amy Adams is explaining why the translation is difficult with the alien language and she's writing all the stuff on the board, like, and she's like, like, like imagine a, a question we want to uh, convey to these aliens, like, and she writes one on the board. Right. And then she starts breaking down why it's difficult to translate this sentence. The sentence is, what is your purpose on earth? And it's right. That is the actual question of the film to you as a viewer. Like, and I'm just like that. They just lay, they just put it there and they make it part of a scene that seems to be about something else. I was like, Villeneuve can do no wrong. <laughs> like, that is <laughs> literally flawless. Like, I didn't even get it. Like, it was the second time. What is like, your purpose? Oh, on yeah. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> like, yeah. that, like, until you've seen the movie once, that phrase really won't mean too much to you. But when you've seen the movie the first one time through, like, suddenly you're like, you can only interpret the movie through that lens. And it's just right. phenomenal. Yeah, it's brilliant. That's a great pairing. I'm going to think about that. Okay. Because we never did Arrival. We have not yet done Arrival. Arrival. Yeah. Great. We, we, are, we are at uh, Martini Giant, a big uh, Villeneuve oh, fan. I just put it in the Martini Giant. Yeah. Um, uh, have you guys something about just that this is off topic, but have you seen Villeneuve's movie um, Polytechnique? No. No. I, I really recommend Polytechnique. I'm assuming it's a French film. Uh, it is a Canadian film. Canadian. Uh, French. Canadian so French it's, Canadian, French, it's French and English. Right. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's terrific. It's a, it's his first feature and it's, it's really, it's so accomplished. It's amazing. It's incredible. Um, Yeah. It's really something else, but yeah, no, I think that like, there's like, that is a, I can say a lot of, I can critique Gen X over a lot of things, but I, I don't critique us over art. Like we no, we are, that is what the, that's the value of our generation. Like there's plenty of other stuff we can, say we fucked up which we did but like we did art, you know but, but we art, also fucked up art we fucked up art later like yeah. you know what i mean because we fucked up movies later 
Well, we, we later on to, we wanted like, we, we how like, did we fuck up movies? We invented the Marvel we, universe. We, <laughs> we, yeah, we made the MCU, dude. Yeah, we we we, we that that listen. All French I see French. on all fucking Facebook and people cheering and saying like, all I want to do is go back to watching Saturday night cartoons and eating Captain Crunch. It's like you are you are developmentally delayed. Like yes. like you are basically like this is arrested development. Yeah. Like so much. So much of your life could be better if you figured out why you could like, nope, nope. I want to go back to my childhood where this is like, and, and that's what we're force feeding our kids. This, this, this bullshit. I'm tired of it. Everyone Sorry. wants it. Every, it's not just them. It's everybody. Everybody wants it. We want it. Like we want the safety. We want the comfort. I don't think our kids really want it. They just don't know anything different. Well, that, that's right? the difference. Like that's the right? problem. Yeah, right. Like, we're not we're I not showing think... we're not showing them we're not we're not exposing them to things like Eternal Sunshine, right? We're not exposing them well, to things like. I think when they do, want people they stupid. They don't want that. Like that's they want scary. people dumb. Yeah, well, it's like the, it's like stuff like this is too weird. It's too weird. They don't want that stuff. Nobody wants it. Everyone's too anxious. When actually face this is like my belief about horror movies. For instance, it's like I am glad that I watched horror movies when I was too young to see them. Huh. Yeah. I'm happy that I did that because it like, I like that. Like oh, it gives, was that thunder? Yeah. That was crazy. That was By the day. way, uh, the other day, two days ago, lightning struck outside mm -hmm. and all my computers are on these battery backups here. The only thing that wasn't was my um, wireless router from spectrum. It, <laughs> popped like it's right here at my desk right here mm -hmm. next to me it went pop and then flashes came it burned the whole thing out oh shit wow because it was plugged into the wall yeah yeah i've i i was very i was really close to a lightning strike once like it hit like on this pond that i was standing on the shore of and like i got knocked like almost got knocked over by it it was really crazy uh, wow, that happened to me in yeah. the late nineties. My brother That's took me camping on the Pacific Coast Trail, <laughs> and lightning struck this massive tree. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you guys, it was probably a quarter mile from us. Mm -hmm. I was so taken back, and then we started running towards the flame. And these girls were hiding in a rock. <laughs> we're like, come. We had to coax them out. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. We were so scared. We went to the tree. It was about as wide as this table back here. It was so big and it was split straight, all, down. straight down. I'm not kidding. And the outside was fine, mm -hmm. but the inside was for embers, like a, like coal, you know, like right. red. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Cause it got, got being inside. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. I, it was the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. And, and my brother's like, just keep, I hate camping. He dragged me on this. He still makes fun of it because I brought a hairdryer, but, um, <laughs> he, sorry. I'm just sorry. Just Good stuff. let's let's just say that again. I hate camping. I brought a hair dryer. <laughs> I brought a hair dryer. My brother's makes fun of me, fun of me still from the. And he's right to do trip. so. I'm sorry. I don't. I, your brother is a he's a nor, he's done horrible things to you, but well, the fact that you brought a hair dryer. <laughs> that's glamping. glamping. That's glamping. I'm not saying I'm not saying he's a horrible person. I'm saying he's done I'm, horrible things to you. Shit out of me a lot. But, right, right. Yeah, he been, he the but the thing is, I do remember it was like 97. I do remember or 96 um, being like walking. I remember losing my M&Ms. I was like, oh, 
Like I brought this huge bag of M&Ms. I just thought, you know, this will be my joy mm-hmm. walking. We did the whole Pacific Crest Trail for like 10 days. It was a nightmare. But I remember sitting on a log and I just looked at my brother and his buddy. And I was like, God, this, it smells like a cab. It smells like a cab in New York. And my brother's <laughs> like, no, 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 Eric. The cab in New York smells like the pine tree you're sitting next to. <laughs> <laughs> it was the pine smell. My first thing was like, oh my God, that's a, it smells like a, but the lightning struck and we went and saw this tree. And then he's like, he just got to keep going because he's going to set something on fire. Right. And about three, four hours later, you could see um, guys jumping. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, the. Um, yeah, flame jumpers. Uh, yeah, right. Flame jumpers. Yeah. yeah. But that I'm telling wild. you, the tree was, if you could see this dash, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, that's like eight. It was so thick. Yeah. And it literally was split like a toothpick, and the core was super red. I've never seen anything like that in my life. Lightning, so like, I I love seeing lightning in the distance, but when it comes that close, I'm still jumpy. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, that is like, yeah, there it is. See? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't lose another round. Unbelievable. I just, I just remember, I just remember when we had a, we had a slight lightning storm was a couple weeks back. Remember, Dan, Mm -hmm. in, in LA? Mm-hmm. And uh, this is very rare occasion. You don't get lightning or thunders to the point where my kids, who've grown up all their lives in in California, had no idea what yeah, was going on. It can get wild, right? Wild, wild, and yeah. and and this was you know you know early morning, and none of them knew what was going on. My daughter, who you guys know is uh, also the moderator on our Discord, mm-hmm. uh, she thought it was an earthquake and went back to sleep <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> which i think is hilarious that's probably uh, it's like, oh it's an earthquake uh, it's probably a small one <laughs> that's amazing yeah so anyway um okay so where are we we are talking about uh eternal sunshine the spotless mind which we absolutely have to get to because we only have an hour left and it's a big movie so um Amazing. There is a little bit of a time slip situation in this movie, which I forgot about until I saw it just, just recently. It's like, oh yeah, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Really good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, okay. So the story is it starts, it stars uh, uh, Jim Carrey, mm-hmm. right? And he is leads a dull life and uh, is about to go to work and decides at the last minute to not get on the train that he's supposed to go to get to work, but to actually um, uh, uh, get on another train to go to Nantuck. Where does he go? Nantuck, right? Montauk. Montauk. Yeah. Montauk. Montauk. Montauk, which is uh, on Long Island. It's a, a beach community in Long Island. Um, and so he goes there. Fishing community originally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a very famous uh, landmark at the top of Long Island, uh, where the lighthouse is, is where everyone catches some of the biggest uh, striped bass in the world. And very, very famous. There's documentaries about that lighthouse and the the, the people uh, going after the stripes, the striped bass up there. Oh, that's wild. Lots of documentaries. Yeah. Also, kind Jaws. Of cr- Jaws. Yes, yes. And so, uh, as you guys remember, I shared it on one of our other. The channels the photo of the guy on top of the whale feeding <laughs> yeah, the whale wow. 
uh, uh, whale parts to the uh, the dead whale parts to, to the, the shark. Uh, shark. Yeah, uh, that is the guy who was inspired um, the character of what's his name on Jaws, and mm-hmm. that's where Quint. that's from. Quint. Yes, yes. exactly right. Quite ra- quite radical. Quite radical person. Anyway, so uh, uh, so goes Nantak, hangs around, gets on a sees a girl there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets sort of enamored by this girl, but is very reclusive and shy. Um, then gets back on the train, sees the same girl, and that is the delightful, very well done Michel Gantry moment of seduction on the train. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm thinking of the train situation specifically because he did. Do you remember the train video he did for uh, Chemical Brothers? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, good point. Right? Yep. Right? So he did this amazing train sequence for Chemical Brothers uh, uh, for that video, which is basically just looking out the window of the train. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he really has a good idea of the rhythm and the soothing part of trains, honestly speaking, uh, mm-hmm. that I think was really good. But it was also interesting about that train sequence. Um, as, uh, oh, God, hold on. I got to get rid of this spammer. Keep going. You guys keep going. Tell them tell about the train sequence. Oh, well, you know, we'll say when we get back. Go ahead. The um, uh, but I did want to. I want to finish up my. Oh, he's my not talk. a spammer. He's someone who just joined. Oh, hello. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm so used. So, Wilton saying, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that it was you. Uh, we are. You're used to getting some spam messages. So, uh, so thanks so much for joining nice. and thanks, thanks for, for subscribing. We really, really appreciate it. Um, okay, back on to uh, the train uh, video. <laughs> the train video. <laughs> A train yeah, video. Okay. So uh, notice that one thing he does is like he apparently, if you look, listen carefully, he has the music going when they're talking. And when they have that awkward moment when they're not talking, he stops the music. He stops the music. Yeah, it's a good yeah. gag. Yeah, that's a very it's a good gag. gag. He makes yeah. it, he sort of emphasizes that little, that mm-hmm. little gag. Awkward gag space. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Awkward space. Um, and, and from the get go, uh, Winslet is. A little abrasive, which I like. Yeah, she is. Yeah, she's she's aggressive. Yeah, like it's not like she's like, but a little cuckoo too. Yeah, like, you're like uh, she's totally cuckoo. I, she's she's yeah. interesting and she's fun, but she's not like manic pixie dream girl, fake charming movie character. You're like, yeah, this person's probably a little fucking messed up. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, like you're pretty aware of it, even from the get go. But what was like, the, what was the, what was the what was the really silly, stupid uh, Ben Affleck movie? Where, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a broad Which question. one? <laughs> uh, no uh, offense, Ben. Not a Ben Affleck. Not a Ben Affleck. Uh, what am I, th- who am I thinking? Uh, um, oh, God. Something Polly. Poly, something Polly. Polly Shore? Along Came Polly. No, along Came Polly. Like yes. she's, along Came Polly is like the bad version of this, but there's a little bit of that kind of weirdness yes, to the that's character. Right. Although right. I do love um, a Philip Seymour Hoffman in a long Paul is very funny. I'll give it that much. No, uh, yeah. And by the way, I'm so sorry. I did not accuse you of being a spammer. I uh, I appreciate you actually. <laughs> <doing> <laughs> so that. good. Uh, we made some messages on on our on our on our, uh, on our Twitch feed. So uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, just so like, don't oh, ask God. us if we want to get famous on Twitch. I think that's the key. That's that's the hot button. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You want to get hundred thousand more views on Twitch? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. I'm talking about the guys. The, just so people understand. Some people don't necessarily follow us on Twitter. Uh, on Twitch. Uh, when we get we get. 
get every now and then we get people coming in when we stream that say, Hey, you want to be famous? And they just come in and just spam us on yeah, our, on our stream and we have to get rid of them and report them. But this one of our friends came on and donated to our uh, subscribe to us, which we appreciate. We also deleted like, him. Oh, God, I thought it was a bot. He's like, no, it's not a bot. He just donated a bunch of money to us. So what? This dude it. likes us. Forget it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, no. So that's yeah, great. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Sorry. All right. So Eternal Sunshine. Back to Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. Um, um, Okay, so uh, uh, so basically, uh, where were we on this one? I can't, uh, I can't remember. Okay, train, train. Okay, so he starts to get really interested in her. They start chatting a lot. Uh, it gets pretty tense, uh, and they decide to, to hang out. Now, clearly, uh, she is much more forward than he is, mm -hmm. right? That's the big, the big thing that we notice in this relationship. And so, uh, but he is also like kind of enamored by her because she's so forward in a lot of ways. Um, and so he, uh, he approaches her or, or she proposes that they get together and they do something fun tonight. And that's kind of uh, uh, the way they're going. Uh, she gives him her phone number. He calls, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, and then she says, what took you so long? So it really is like she's she's the one that's being so forward, and he's a little bit enamored by that, uh, which is generally not a you know like this this feels honestly it feels a little bit like eighties romance like eighties yes, romance right, films right right um, which is cool. Uh, then this weird thing happens where what's his name uh, as he's going to pick her up at her house uh, is it Elijah Woods that's who it is right yes who's terrific in this movie. It was really good. Elijah was banged on his window. It's like, what, what are you doing here? <laughs> you can't be here. Because but, we don't no. understand what the situation is yet. And none of this makes no, sense. Like, these things. Yeah, you're kind of. Exactly. Like, like, like all these weird things are happening that like from a viewer's point of uh, like from the audience point of view, you're like, wait a minute, what, what the fuck is going on, right? Like, who is this dude? Why, like, why is there a dent in this car? You know, like, all this shit. Oh, why is there a dent in the car is actually yeah. an excellent question. Yes. Right, right. You know, and so, like, it, uh, it is a while before we learn what the reasoning is for that. It's a while before we puts all the pieces together. But basically, I'll just say, uh, yes, there's a dent in his car <laughs> before you left for Montauk. And he's like, ugh. And then suddenly, you know, there are, anyway, lots of stuff going on. Lots of stuff going on. Uh, sorry, I'm tying a fly while I'm doing That's this. That's okay. I, I'm going to stop that. Um, so, um, so at this point, I actually had to write notes on this one because it was, it was hard to follow along. Um, it is very hard to follow in, in many ways, but I got to say, it's been uh, like eight years. I have, it's been years since I've seen this. But the sophistication of directing and the use of light on as it's, his imagine it's, it's as his memories, yeah, it's so complex and beautiful that you just have such an enormous respect for him as a director because, because yeah, because like he's he's helping you understand what is happening by using certain techniques uh, uh, repetitively through the movie. So as soon as things start happening in a certain way, you're simple like, though in camera yeah, things, very very so gentle. Yeah. crazy beautiful because like the you know to yeah to jump the gun like what is happening is that we are actually inside jim carrey's memories 
as he has gone to a facility to get his memory selectively erased. And right. And so what so, we, yeah, we well, find out is that he, he decides that he's the, we slowly go through the story mm-hmm. as he develops based on what was just happened. You see that he started a relationship with Kate Winslet. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, just to make it easier to understand that's not really the start of the relationship. No. <laughs> right? No. But they have been feels, here before. <laughs> to the viewer who's watching it the first time, it feels like it's the start you're of the relationship. You're seeing only from his point of view, so you're seeing this. You're is the seeing it from his that. point of view, right? right. But Because otherwise it's going to be too complicated and you really have to watch the film to get it and say, right. ah, I click, okay? But as you also then continue to see a relationship that he's having with Kate Winslet where – they disagree on certain things and they decide to break up. Their relationship starts to fall apart and they decide to break up, mm-hmm. right? This is very upsetting to Jim Carrey. Also very upsetting to Kate Winslet. She wants a kid and he doesn't. That, like, that was the big reason, right? Yeah. It's yeah. a very traditional uh, thing. That's that, an important thing for people to decide It's an important thing lives, yeah. in relationships when you're like, I want to have kids and you don't want to have kids. So yeah. get it. Um, Anyway, so so that's 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 the thing that that thing. So the, the, their relationship, uh, uh, almost it doesn't even matter why they break up. It's just a no. Yeah, it's just gone wrong. Like it's a, it's soured. You know, it's it just went, soured. It, right, it went wrong. They are so, both very fucked up people. Right. Yep. And so what he they find out is that he um, or she. Uh, she has actually he goes to see her and complain or, or tries to get back together with her or something and she treats him like a complete stranger doesn't know who he is doesn't know who he is right. and he later finds out he gets something in a mail that says she has erased you from her memory right right which is disturbing then he finds out there's a service out there that if you're in a relationship with someone or you do something or some some someone has caused you heartache and it is 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 traumatic to you, you can erase that person from your memory, and this service will help basically zap your brain <laughs> to remove all memories of a certain specific thing, right? And um, uh, people that are working at this service are that's Kristen Dunst, right? No, is it? Yes. Yep, Kristen Dunst and. Yeah, it kept weird casting. Uh, Kristen Dunst, Mike Ruffalo, and Mike Ruffalo, yeah, uh, Elijah, Woods, Elijah Woods, and then who's the main guy? Oh, and uh, and uh, the doctor is Tom uh, Wilkinson. Wilkinson, yes, right, right, right. So it's a big, it's a big, it's a very interesting big cast. Um, so uh, he gets very upset about it and decides that fuck it, I'm going to erase her from my memory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. Uh, so he signs up for the ordeal. Uh, and the way that the procedure works is that uh, you bring in everything that you have in your household that is a memory of her or in this area. And they scan your brain waves while you recall all of these memories and identify parts in your brain that have those things and then they will zap those memories as they come up so right. that they basically 
have a map of your brain of where exactly the memories of this person are. And they start. I love the line when he's like, what, this could be brain damage? And they're like, well, technically it is brain damage. (laughs) (laughs) But no more than the day of drinking, which is really funny. (laughs) No more than the day of drinking. Yeah. All right. All right. Hold on. I'll be right back, guys. I'll be right back. Keep, Keep talking. Keep talking. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to watch this movie again because there was, and a lo- I was reading about a lot of in-camera effects, mm, yeah. so much so that uh, it's, but yet it was really uh, hard to make mm-hmm. and they shot it very fast. No kidding. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to know more about the production. It's because like, it's so, like, it was really groundbreaking when I first saw it. I was uh, really shocked. I was like, this is, I've never seen anything like this movie. You know, like the effects are so nicely sort of intertwined. There's so many like great Texas switch gags and like just all, all this great stuff they're doing constantly. Um, it's it's surprising that they did it quickly because that a lot of that stuff is hard to do. Like you have to yeah, and they the built the house on the beach. It's in camera. Oh, and it's so the, good, right? It's so crazy. I was, yeah. I don't know. I thought that uh, it was interesting to read about. I'll send everybody the link. Yeah, definitely. But please. it's definitely, um, yeah. All right. Sorry, where were we? That's right. But yeah, so the like the 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 movie is essentially once he goes to get the procedure done, like we're seeing this entirely from his point of view, and we are inside his mind as these memories are sort of trying to escape from being erased in a sense. He's trying, he is actually like subconsciously, he does not want this to happen. Right. So he is trying to save the memories. Right. As they're being erased. And it, the, 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 the special effects, because most of them are actually special effects, not practical, effects, yeah. uh, are quite, quite interesting. Yeah. Uh, and also it's an interesting psychological film, right? Because mm-hmm. of all, what that's, how that's supposed to be. Um, but, um, the, what they, what, what they do is, you know, trying to figure out she is in the memories with him and she knows what's happening. So the two of them are like, how do we hide from this procedure as we're doing this? It's an adventure of two memories trying to be saved from erasure, trying to be saved from erasure. And they do things like, you know, Going, going to his childhood, and so he becomes a little kid, a little boy version of himself. Yeah, exactly. little boy version of himself. Vul- very, and that's all about being vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. So he tries like he being vulnerable, and he's like hiding under the kitchen table. They do a great forced perspective trick where he's a normal sized person, but she's big, and she's right. trying to help him, baby Joel or whatever his name was. Right, and and washing uh, him in the sink, and he's like washing him in the tiny. sink. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. he's like, yeah, it's very, very. Strange, and then it's like, nope, they're gonna find it's here, and so then they hide in humiliation, which I thought was an interesting take right. on it. It's like hide someplace where where it's dark and and deep, and it's like you mean like humiliation, and then it's him getting caught masturbating as a teenager, yep. and she's right. she's in bed with him while he's masturbating. And he's getting caught by his mother, which is the most awkward thing it's you amazing. can imagine. And she's like, like it's okay, maybe they won't find us here. Maybe they won't find us here. And it's just, re- I, I, it's honestly, I was like, oh my God. Like, yeah. like this writing and this is clearly Charlie Kaufman. If you look yeah. at everything he's done, it's like, 
he he hates himself. <laughs> yeah, well, and the thing is, what's part of it is that like they're not just clever gags. Like the clever, like the cleverness is part of it, and that's why it's so incredible. But they're really right. trying to pull out very specific and uh, very very uh, very specific details about certain kinds of feelings, right? Uh, that are very that would be hard to get to in any other way. That's why the movie is doing what it's doing. It's not being weird to be weird. It's being weird because it's really the only way to get at where it's going. Uh, right. They and, give purpose to the weird. Yeah, exactly. It's like, goal. like, right. The goal is like, no, you've got to hide into place. You've got to hide in places that make you uncomfortable right. in order to escape the situation. Right. And so they, they're in, they're in this sort of semi-stable environment for a little while, but then it starts to fall apart as well. Mm-hmm. You know? And so like they, and they'll get confused and like, think that they're actually, everything's safe again, or that they're, you know, like, they they get swept up in the memory that they feel like they're a part of it again or whatever it is, but it just keeps falling apart no matter because you just can't hold on to it. And it changes right. as as you're experiencing it, right? And so it's like a, it's a great metaphor for the way memory actually works. It's a great metaphor for like how we how we change memories by thinking about them. and we are shaped by these memories so erasing it is pointless it's pointless yeah i mean like because you have all like everything that you are is made up of made up from that so you like it you don't know you can't like otherwise if you cut that out then you just you wonder why you are the way you are but memories yeah. are constant like memories are constantly altered in our minds yes, absolutely yep. right i mean i yep. know that i know that okay i know that for so many reasons like my dad's memories of situations that I had with him that I was there experienced with him are completely different because right. of the person that he is than I am. Right. Right. Generally speaking, like I've always, I've talked about it with my, uh, about my dad in the past, but like my dad, my dad reminds me of, you know, uh, Albert Finney's character from big fish, right? He's right. like right. his glorious interpretation of the story. Mm. Like we can go out and get a pizza and to him, it's like, we we met the president, right? right. So, right. Uh, so that 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 is the way that those those memories to him, and I, I believe he believes those things, right? Sure, right. I'm not. I don't think he's actually trying to make it up. I think that that's the way he right. sees things. So maybe I'm, maybe I see it wrong. Maybe I was like, it wasn't that special. I'm, you know, because I, I don't dwell on the past, as you know, my obsession of non nostalgia. I try <laughs> right. to always look for the future right. of what's possible, as opposed to remember this when it was cool. Yeah, uh, like there's there's no way to be certain of any of this stuff. Like there's just like there's right. there's the way the way you remember. And like, cause, and I've seen like people invent whole histories for themselves that they believe one hundred percent. Like a, an that, FC? A, and then and then like you know, like I know yeah, objectively like, from, the, from like the election was rigged. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. They, they, they just believe it's true, <laughs> and that's where they're operating from. Because like the like most of this stuff is comes from an emotional need, not from literal experience. You know, the same thing's true for me. You know, and I'm I think going to use another Seinfeld quote, which is hilarious. It's like remember when he was tr- Jerry was trying to uh, to cheat the lie detector and goes, "Remember, Jerry, it's not a lie if you do it." it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. exactly. <laughs> But yeah, like I, I think that this, uh, like this, this uses the the kind of gag that's in Malkovich, right? Um, but every single use of it, it's not just for fun. Like it's like you find yourself like oh, I know exactly what this fucking feeling is. This is terrible. Like this feels bad. Like and one of my like when when they're in the house that's falling apart, yeah. like and it just that was, I don't know. 
like it's so heartbreaking it's hard for me to think about like i'm just like this i know this feeling way too well you know and the movie is this flawless at evoking this stuff and it's such a uh incredible it's, emotional inventory movie honestly speaking you know we've we've has it's so hard to convey how emotional those scenes are because it's a such a great combination of amazing dialogue um uh heart-wrenching experience of hard relationships that are happening mm -hmm. that is completely being uh 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 what's the word i'm looking for uh demonstrated or by by the environment around them mm -hmm. uh, like the environment around them is the physical manifestation of the emotion yep exactly. mm. is, that is that is really happening there right and even though the actors are doing a, a really great job which is ironic and being subtle about it because I'm, we're talking about jim carrey yeah, right like who's the most over actor the biggest yeah. over actor in the world right yeah, because his shtick is based around being extremely obvious like that's what he right. makes money on but like you see yeah. him in this and you see him in truman show like he's got insane skills they're just very well rarely well the used. thing about it's interesting about truman show is that truman show starts with him being like hey i'm jim carrey yeah. and then by the end it's like oh it's a slow reveal and yeah. but in this one it's from the very beginning the he is subtle yeah subtle subtle yeah, subtle really brilliant. and it, and by being super, like, Matt, Jim Carrey, a shy person. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And I, th I We're think talking about like, the guy who did Liar, Liar. Right. And exactly. Ace Ventura. <laughs> I think those two movies really changed him as a person. Those are hard movies yeah. to hold. Yeah. Together. Yeah. 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 It's wild. Because, like, I said, there's a great documentary on Carrey uh, on Netflix. I really recommend it. It's about when he was making um, uh, uh, Man on the Moon when he was playing Coffin. Uh, what's his name coffin um andy coffin andy coffin and uh and it's really it's really interesting because like it's like uh he you know all this shtick that he did to play andy coffin like i don't i don't really buy it like i don't think that it's i think that he's like he was doing that to indulge his like his the narcissistic place that he was in and i think he carried it so far that it broke his uh, perception of himself in a way that led him to reevaluate everything in his life. Uh, and uh, so we're doing, talking about actually actual Jim, Jim Carrey, Carrey, right? Not, 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 not Andy Kaufman. And so that's why he chose to do things like eternal sunshine. And I think Truman show came out after that as well. And like, where it really explores this idea of like, there is the false self that you indulge and there's the actual self who you don't know very well. And, right. uh, and, uh, and it's really, cause I, I think he's still like, he's become a sort of like, I don't know, sort of a, uh, um, he's become like, he's been, been very open about like how he feels about stuff lately. And he does I'm a lot of like, paintings. He does a lot of paintings. Yeah. Like yeah. He's got a great <laughs> studio in Venice. And I'm just yeah. like, I, I think there's a little bit of sort of a... He doesn't act thought. much more, does he? No, no he gave it up. Yeah, he basically gave it up. Like, he chose... He said, I'm, I, yeah, he's given it up. So, yeah, like, he's... Um, yeah, he's in a totally different space than he used to be. And I think that these movies are a big transitional moment for him and, like, how he perceived fame and how he perceived himself and all this kind of jazz. And it really shows in, in uh, Eternal Sunshine. You're just like, yeah, this guy is, is actually showing something that he feels 
as opposed to you know when he was doing Man, Man in the Moon, he was like, I'm going to perform this, and I I'm, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go f- full retard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's like the you know, there's there's a big con- you know like people talk about it all the time, like the the method acting, you know, like there's a lot of people talking about it in uh, Twitter now, just like method acting is stupid and stuff like this, and like I, I think that I think that method acting has turned into a a shtick, right? I agree with that. Like, I don't think that it's I don't think it's invalid. I think anything that you do to get where you need to go is totally valid. Whatever you need to do, as long as you're not make, be, being a pain in the ass towards other people on the crew, then do what you need to do. It's fine. But like, like Daniel Day, I don't think Daniel Day Lewis is, is an asshole because he's a method actor. Like, do what you need to do, Daniel. You're obviously you're doing it right. Whatever it is, that's fine. But like, what um, what Carrie was doing, or like what um, what's his name um, from uh, who played the Joker in the. Uh, the Silver Teeth Joker. What's his name? He's also in Blade Runner 2049 and Fight Club. Anyway, can't think of his name. The actor, like he was when he was playing the Joker, he was like, I'm going to be the Joker so hard. I'm going to be sending like, used condoms to the other, to the cast. And I'm going to be like doing all this crazy shit. I'm just like, that's not real, dude. You're just being a dick. <laughs> like that's just per- right. giving yourself permission to be a jerk. And I think that that's where, I think that's where um, uh, Jim Carrey was when he made Man in the Moon. And then when he's doing Eternal Sunshine, like he is totally, totally somebody else by that point. And that's what makes his role so interesting. He's like examining what he fucked up in his life by making mm. this movie. It's really great. I did I did a podcast with David Lee, uh, David Lee Strasberg. I don't know if you guys know who Lee Strasberg yeah. is. Yes. Uh, no, yeah. But he's the guy who invented method acting. Yeah. And so David Lee Strasberg is his son. Right, and he was at he was at THU, and I was like, I gotta have figure out a way to do a podcast with him about computer graphics. This person knows nothing about computer graphics, obviously. Knows a lot about acting. Right, and and I said, how am I gonna do this? And I I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I figured out the best subject that I could cover with him, which was about the Uncanny Valley. <laughs> Let's ah, talk about that's interesting. Yes, of course, perfect. <laughs> right. If I can, if I, I explain to him what the Uncanny Valley is and how does that happen, because he still continues to, he continues to be like the, his, his dad's school of acting is still, his, that's what he's doing. So, sure. uh, but I, I do, I, you know, honestly, I used to have a big problem with method acting. I thought it was a little stupid and gimmicky, right? As a lot of people are complaining about now, right? Right. And and so it, it, to, it is often stupid and gimmicky. Like people don't do it for real. They do it because they're putting on a show. Right, right. And so I, used to, I, I just remember, you know, I used to love the quote from Lawrence Olivier talking about Dustin Hoffman, a marathon man, saying, why <laughs> right. don't you try acting someday, right? right? As opposed to like staying up all night to look like you've stayed up all night. Just right. try to yeah. act that way, right? right? And that's a really funny quote, um, but it's not – but I get it. Contextually speaking, method acting actually does offer something real. Right. Yeah, if, if you're, if you're using it as an actual tool, it's totally right. valid. Like, I, I think absolutely nice. right. I, I think that like it's easy to pick on it because like I think that what people are with all the complaining they're doing now, what people are are picking on is they don't like people pretentiously being authentic, right? And they don't like that online, and they don't like it in movies, and they don't like things yes. that like they, they they hate this like they hate like we've gotten into the zone where it's like everything that tries to say anything is pretentious. Like you shouldn't do it. It's embarrassing. Everything is nonsense. It's the only inside the actor's studio. Right. And the thing is like, right. And the thing is like, 
what makes things pretentious isn't the thing. It's your attitude about the thing. Like right. art film is not pretentious. Being a douchebag is pretentious. And you can be a douchebag when you're talking about regular movies. Like the like don't like don't just delete the douchebag part. Like do something because you're actually feeling like you want to investigate something. Like if you are, if you're if I'm a method actor and I want to put these I want to set my life up in a certain way so I can discover details I wouldn't have thought of uh, right. that I can add to a performance. Well, that's a good idea. And no one should call you an asshole for trying to do research on your work. That's yeah. silly. But if you're, if you're showboating and talking about like, you know, I'm so hardcore that I treat everybody on the set like a fucking jerk. Well, then you're just being a jerk. You're not acting. Right. You're just, you're just an egotistical asshole. You know, and I think that that's that's the difference. And I think that like the like everything everything is a valid tool. They're, like the what like acting is hard. Like it's hard to do it right. And whatever you need to do to get there, fucking go, do it. You don't have to feel bad about it. Do it. Just don't be a prick because mainly it gets in your own way. Like don't be a don't be a dick. It's going to slow down production. It's going to make it harder for you to get where you need to be. Yeah, it's expensive to be a dick. It's expensive to be a dick. <laughs> Like that's 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 a great man. I love that. That's a, that's a great rule of film. It's a great rule of film. It's expensive to be a dick. Don't do it. Waste the money and time. Waste the money and time. Yep. Guys, I got to say one thing. Uh, I wanted to talk more, but I actually have to go and right. rescue my wife and daughter from the airport because they just arrived. Oh shit! Okay. Can't get yeah. a ride. But all good. All good. Um, I apologize for doing this and. Um, but no problem. I wanted there. to talk a little bit more. I know that uh, you guys are going to probably go for another hour, so I'll see if you're around <laughs> when I get back. Um, we'll be back in about a half. We'll, we'll probably wrap this up in about a half an hour. But yeah. thank you, Eric, for joining us. Uh, and uh, don't, no worries, buddy. No worries. Yeah. Um, sure. And uh, yeah. So we're not. I'm not wrapping this up. But uh, take off. Uh, uh, and you know. Yeah. Give my love to. Uh, yep. But, uh, oh, I'll and, see you guys, uh, and then Nancy. let's talk tomorrow. Dan, do you, if you have a script, will you send it to me? Yeah, you guys should be getting a script tonight. So okay, right. send it to me. I'll uh, do well, we're not going to announce this on it, but we're working on something, guys. We're working on something. Yeah, we got a we got a thing. Like <laughs> it's fine. Don't have to worry about it. It's just an interesting yeah, thing. Don't worry about it. It's a thing. It's no a thing work. we're doing. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. All right. But yeah, no. All right, thanks, Eric. Yep. See you take care. Take care. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Yep. Bye. Um, okay. So, so where were we on, uh, uh, they're, they're constantly hiding from the memories, right? right. Then there's another interesting thing that happens in this film because that you could make this film just as it is right work, but then they add another layer of complexity to this, which is the people that are actually doing the mind erasing. Yeah. So it's, have they're their having own, their own adventure, <laughs> their own adventure in their own history. Right. So, uh, apparently, uh, apparently a lot of the scene inside. So, Oh, we should mention how the minor racing actually happens is they sneak into his apartment. Right. So it's Mark Ruffalo sleeping. And Mark Ruffalo and, and Elijah Wood. And Elijah. No, no. Christian yeah, no, Dunn shows up later. Elijah Wood. Right. They go in there and they put the, the, the colander on his head and then they start doing the thing while he sleeps. They put a colander on his head and they start erasing his memory while he sleeps. So that he, basically the idea is that, it's not like he wakes up in a place and he goes, what happened? Nothing. It's like, oh, he wakes up and then suddenly his memory's erased, right? It's a thing that happens. Right. And so apparently uh, a lot of the scenes of the two of them kind of 
goofing around in the apartment while his mind is being erased was a lot of it was improvised, which I no, think it's is great. Yeah, it's great. Great. Yeah, right. So fun. Um, and then uh, Kristen Dunst shows up and she has a relationship with Mark Ruffalo, right? That's who she Yes. But uh, she is also sleeping with uh, the doctor. We don't know that. Yeah, we don't know that yet. Yes, but yeah, she's right, 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 right. With so, but she's in a relationship with Ruffalo, and they're like kind of goofing around, and they start goofing around in a lot of ways, right? Right. right. But then there's a problem, as we know, have been experiencing, uh, with him trying to escape his memory being erased. So they call in the big doctor, right? Right, and the big doctor comes in, who's the older guy, right. and uh, uh, he starts to take control of the machine to make sure that everything continues to go as planned. Right. Um, at which point we notice Kirsten Zunz is completely enamored by the big doctor. Right. Has this, <laughs> like, like, like puppy dog, like, right. uh, like extreme, you know, love with your professor at psych right. school, whatever. Wait, you know, which like is that hysterical kind of because like the, the way that they present everything about the profession is much more like dentistry than it is by the, any science fiction standard. Like, oh yeah, yeah, it's like so sort of slipshod and like you know, like sh- shitty little office and like like it's not like it's not like a like anything. absolutely it's not, it's not like Minority Report. It's like absolutely like uh, no, some, no, no, no. It, it, yeah, it looks like yeah, it looks like you're getting Botox. Like yeah, it's exactly. just like it's just like uh, it's a brilliant choice. I, totally brilliant choice. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I also want to throw out like I love the name of the business is Lacuna, which is the space between the two lobes of your brain, which I think is pretty genius. It's Lacuna. <laughs> it sounds yeah. sounds like a like Fantasy Island, but it's actually yeah. it's it's deleting it's a it's a it's a Boolean operation on your brain. <laughs> <laughs> yep, 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 yep. So, uh, so she she's has a, uh, uh, this enamored look with the professor and she starts quoting um uh you know she starts to try to be intellectual with him to try to mm-hmm. feel that she can have a relationship with him in right. some ways or trying to impress him i don't know what she's trying to do then she says i've always been enamored by you right at which point he's like starts to push back on her right in some ways and then suddenly i'm probably getting this wrong my memory is fading me just like this film Mm-hmm. But the the order of operation is of which this happens, his his wife shows up. Yeah, yeah, like yes. His wife shows right, up right, right, at right. the house, right, right. and she is pissed off. Uh huh. Is like, what the fuck is she doing here? And is like, because she tries to come on to him and tries to approach him, right. and she goes, no, 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 no. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And 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 she's like, and there's a big kerfuffle that happens like it was a one damn thing i is the one that came on to him it's not not him don't worry and she right. goes oh she doesn't fucking know does she she doesn't, she doesn't know. know she doesn't know <laughs> and it's like no and then you find out that the the kirsten dunce and the doctor had a relationship it, and erased she it. was completely never and so they erased it from her and yeah. it's, it's still it's so there bad. like her her passion for him is still there it's and a so, perfect example of just like you can delete the entire memory but you're not going to delete the feelings the, like, the feelings you're just, just going to be confused <laughs> right like, right absolutely so brutal. absolutely brutal absolutely brutal. right so now remember uh, 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 what's her name? Kate Winslet. Mm-hmm. She had her memory erased already, 
right? So she'd already been through the process. And one of the people uh, that was involved in that was obviously Elijah Wood. He fell in love with her. So (laughs) he knew all about her memories and all about her relationship with Jim Carrey, uh, but started a relationship with her (laughs) because he's in love with her. Mm-hmm. Right. Which just starts to get really funny. Right. So uh, so suddenly he's obsessed with being with her, which he shouldn't be doing because obviously it's unethical. So he's been keeping it on a DL uh, and and that's what's going on there. So suddenly, <laughs> oh, God, uh, it's, it's I'm just thinking of, yeah. it gets it gets really good because you you've you've been invested in this story that has become truly emotional and sad, right. et cetera, et cetera. It's going on, and then suddenly it's like Three's Company, right? Yeah, and like and, nothing is working the way you thought it was working, and everything is right. like it's a bunch of clowns. And, and and by the way, I'm saying Three's Company in the best in possible a good way. way. Yeah, like that's <laughs> that's classic. That's classic stuff, in my opinion. Like, right. It's 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 hard to write that kind of nonsense, and this mm-hmm. is where, that's this is what it's doing. Really. And I think there's some brilliance to Kaufman that I think we. Was I think it was acknowledged back then when you looked at things like adaptation, you looked at things like uh, uh, Malkovich or this movie. Like this is this is brilliant writing. People looked forward to the next mm-hmm. movie like this. Yes, yeah, for sure, for sure. And I, I'm I'm sorry that people don't look forward to those things anymore. They don't I wish people made more like this that. Is, I'm not, not trying to sound nostalgic. I'm just saying, I wish people would challenge. No, I want like, yeah, like that's, that's the, I'm not, oh, I wish they made movies like this. It's it's like, I wish they'd stop making movies the way they're making them right now. Like that's right. like the way they're making them right now is really boring, you know? Right. And, uh, and they, and people should like, it's been going on for so long that it's like, I brought up before the line from, um, um, the American president with Michael Douglas and it's got uh, um, Michael J. Fox in it. And uh, Oh, it's and, so good. That's a it's, good film. Yeah, it's a good Is movie. it Dave? Like not Dave. Is no, Dave? it's uh, the American president. With, uh, American president, they're, they're, yes. They're, they're Dave and that kind of pair world well together, but there's this... Dave is a really good one. You're talking about the one where uh, his wife has died and so he's having enough... Yes. He's, he's, yes. Uh, and, yes. And there's a line... Hang on, I'm going to get it right. Uh People are so starving for water. Is that the word, the one you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, it, I'm gonna get the line. I know exactly that line. Yeah, this line absolutely. If I can get to it, it's like um, when Michael Douglas says, uh, 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 "People don't drink the sand because they're thirsty. They th- they drink the sand because they don't know the difference." And like, and the and this is when Michael J. Fox says they're so thirsty for leadership they'll walk a, you know they'll walk miles in a desert to a mirage, and when they and they get to the mirage, they'll they'll drink the sand. And it's like they don't drink the sand because they're thirsty. They drink they drink the sand because they don't know the difference. And I think that's where we're at with this stuff right now. It's not that people are dumb; right. they're not dumb, but like they don't they don't, know, they, they don't know that there's something else out there. Yeah, and so they're afraid of it. So they don't want to, right. like, the, like the the activity that it causes in your in your brain yeah. and your soul to experience this kind of art is. What alien. do you mean a and house so without crown molding? <laughs> that, it's, what do you mean a house without crown, crown molding? And this is nothing for me. Has nothing to do with generations. This is true with everybody I know. Everybody is yep. avoidant of art. Everybody, fifty year olds, sixty year olds, everybody I know. Everyone's like, I just don't want to face that stuff right now. And like I know because you're going through some shit. But I tell you, if you're going through some shit, the thing that helps the most is art. Yeah, <laughs> like it makes you confront things that you need to confront. That's the point of it. And I mean, that's end. the thing, right? 
this is it. I mean, that's that's why we do. That's why we invented all the things that we've done for all these years. That's why we invented things like. That's why alcohol is so. It allows us to not have to deal with that bullshit, right? right? Exactly, exactly. And I think that right now, yeah, oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm gonna pour myself another spiritless Kentucky 74. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like that's that's the deal. It's like the alcohol of the day is Marvel movies. Yeah, like that's the or you know Stranger Things or any of this. I'm just like, like it's not that this stuff is bad. It's just like why or why is this the only thing we're consuming? Like, why is that pop culture right now where it's like, so like pop culture, you know, it goes through phases, obviously, but like everything is trying to be non-confrontational, you know, and living in the past and, you know, having these weird power fantasies. I'm just like, it can't be that healthy to be doing this all the time. Right. And, uh, and to live in a world where, you know, a movie like eternal sunshine is the spotless mind command. That would be like, that it would be so rare and so shocking. I don't know what people would do with it. They'd probably just ignore it. <laughs> right. right, right, right. Okay, so let's. The big reveal at the end basically is that he comes out of his memory erasure as he's doing it, mm-hmm. right? But just before he wakes up, her memory goes to him in her brain, in his brain, and goes, and she says, "Meet me in Montauk." Meet me at Montauk. Right. So he wakes up, everything's gone. He's got, and you realize we're actually at the beginning of the movie. Right. Which is when he wakes up. And by the way, his car being hit was. Happens. In the, in the, like when, when, uh, the, uh, when, the, when, the, when the wife comes in, in. When the, well, when the wife slams in. When the wife reveals herself at the house and, and t- tells Kristen Dunst that she's got her memory erased. So yeah. that's why it all happened. Right. And so Elijah Wood when he shows up at the beginning of the movie, you realize like he's there because he's trying to like, no fuck. That's the guy. That's her soulmate that he tried to erase. Yep. And that's what's happening. Right. So, yep. so that's a brilliant, uh, brilliant thing. By the way, there's, uh, I, I just, there are so many brilliant things in this film that happen. Let, like, for example, when his he's having, she works in the library, by the way. Um, and, he's walking around the library with her having a conversation and very slowly. And there's a, there is definitely CG in this film, but it's extremely subtle. So mm-hmm. it's not all visual effects, but as he's the memory of him is slowly being erased. The books are slowly losing their titles and all yeah, the pages winking out turning white. Yeah. One slowly, slowly, slowly. And it's just absolutely brilliant. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, yeah. It is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, lots of in-camera tricks, lots and lots of in-camera tricks. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, uh, long takes where it goes back and forth between different memories. And he's mm-hmm. uh, apparently Jim Carrey had to run behind camera, chain, take a off, put it's on a hat. It's insane work. All the all it's the insane all the switches work, right? and all the like all the all the special effects they're doing. Are yeah, incredible. a lot of lot of what the, what's a what's a Texas what's it called? The, the Texas a Texas switch. Yeah, that's when you're yeah. like the classic Texas switch is when you see someone draw back a a bow. And then they let go of the arrow, right? And the mm-hmm. camera like moves really pans really quickly, and they cuts to a guy with the arrow in his chest. And the 
guy with the arrow in his chest is makeup and it's been there the whole time. The arrow actually got fired by the guy. But the way right. your brain reads it is it's connected. And there's right. loads of that shit in this movie. It's just absolutely jam-packed. Right. And it's brilliantly, brilliantly done. So, yeah, and, so not, and not in a cheesy way. So so Gontry is definitely a, a filmmaker. Apparently, uh, he... <laughs> He had a system, which I think is probably more common these days, but maybe not as common back when they shot this, where he basically had was had a headset with the camera people constantly, and all the camera guys were French, because Gontry is French, obviously, mm -hmm. as well. And so he would be constantly yelling in French to the camera guys as they're filming to right. time the things, because it's it's a it's a complete choreography between camera and actor yeah, and that lighting. really tests your directorial ability right there really 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 that really te out. like like figure out how you're going to get this all worked out mm -hmm. so uh brilliant 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 uh brilliant way of doing it um yeah. so and as we um, always say because they had to think harder to pull it off the gags are better like if you just said oh we'll just do this in cg it's not that the CG would ruin it. It's the fact that mm -hmm. you could get away with whatever, something easy. You saw it being done. Right. So there's something about that, right? So I actually, that's an excellent point. And I want to bring that up because I'm going to, I'm sorry, I'm going to, like, there is something very special about virtual production to me that I think is interesting mm -hmm. because the CG is not the problem. It's the decision after the fact that's the problem yeah it's the production it's the it's the production pipeline that's the problem you're doing it right. in the wrong creative order wrong creative order so virtual production uh which is largely cg based mm -hmm. enables the filmmakers to choreograph and do things and actually see the consequences of their decision making happening right on time yes so that I think is what's very important. So, and I think country definitely did that on this show. And he's not like, I don't like CG. He obviously used CG. Yeah, whatever the tool ways. that you but need. What he did that. is he got the choreography perfect. Yes, right. Like, it, it, like virtual production uh, forces you to make creative decisions, like you should, because you're making a thing. Like right. that's the value of it. Like you have to think about what what you are making. You can't just mm -hmm. put it off kick the can down the road and have some animators figure out how, how the battle goes later on. Like yeah. you got to go like, okay, well we are doing this today. This is the movie we're making, you know? Right. And, and uh, no, he wasn't using virtual production that, you know, it's when he made this movie, no, but he used no, no, the right no. mindset. Like he would adapt to it very quickly today. I, I absolutely believe he could, he, he yeah. would, as long as it doesn't get slowed down. I, like right. that's the thing, right? If things don't get slowed down, he could make it work. So, right. um, uh, yeah, it's not. It's not that necessarily that. It's the, it's the amount of like being able to make that decision there. Then, and I think that's actually very important. And um, a lot of people keep talking about like, well, directors don't want to make that decision then, right? And I think that's actually a sign of bad directing. That's a bad director. Like right, that's, that's the one and, thing and you should do. I keep hearing that fucking story of people's like, fix it in post is easier, and they're like, no, right? And by the way, that is not just directing; that is actually across all art forms, especially expensive art forms. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that as opposed to like painters, or whatever, who have sure. to make those decisions on their own. But architecture has that exact same problem, right? Mm -hmm. The number one thing I hear from architects 
uh, is their complaint is about photorealism. <laughs> they don't like photorealism because it forces them to make a decision about the design they're making too quickly where it brings up the wrong decision. It's like, mm -hmm. I designed it this way. And then they look at it and it looks photoreal. And then the, 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 the person who's, you know, the, the client is like, that's not how I want my building to be done. It's like, no, 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 no. We're just the beginning of the process. So they want non photorealistic things, especially at the, almost the entire time so that the client never thinks that it's actually being finished. Right? <laughs> right. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. And right. so they're like, oh, well, it's just a sketch for now. It's just a sketch. It's just a sketch. Right. And then so that they never actually have to commit to anything that point. Right. Right. Which is a problem. Now, what's interesting is that I had a podcast with Patrick Schumacher, who is the now the lead of Zaha Deed Architects because she passed away. Mm -hmm. So Patrick Schumacher, I talked to him about photorealism and he was like, no, I want it to look photoreal. It's like, if it looks bad in that's reality, how it's going to look. <laughs> I want to know now before yeah. it's too late. Right. And yeah. I was like, well, oh, fuck. And yeah. I think like, yes, yes. Yeah. Make it, You're like, a yes. designer. Yes. You are really no. And so Patrick Schumacher and Gontry, honestly speaking, although I have some problems with Patrick Schumacher because I, uh, politically speaking, because he's an ultra libertarian, uh, <laughs> uh, but Fun. he said there should be no such thing as public spaces. Can you believe that? No, right. um, <laughs> God, this is a whole other podcast. <laughs> but, but at the same time, I really respect his, 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 uh, ability to push the envelope on this stuff. Right. And, and that's great. Right. And so what he did is like, Oh, uh, so, you know, push it. Right. See it. See it for what it is now before it's fucking too late. Absolutely. Don't push the fucking can down the road because you're not you're too timid or too shy or too scared to commit to something. Right? Absolutely. And Gontry, I think, did that. Yeah. Well, like, I think that the like you can like sometimes you do have to. I mean, this has happened to me. Like sometimes you do, you know, get to the end of a project and you're editing or whatever it is and you're like, fuck we have to change this for it to work and we have to go reshoot a thing or whatever it is mm -hmm. like that does happen you do have to go in and change things that's that's all right but the the difference is like uh it there is a power to making a clear decision when you're putting something together and you make it when you're like i'm i don't know if this is right but i need to make a decision right now the firmness of that decision will stabilize all the rest of your decisions even if you go back and 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 fix what is happening right you know and so like you you need to like if you just make soft decisions all the time like oh we'll just figure that out later then everything you're making is soft like yes there's, there's no there's no like creative yeah. anything to it you're just making don't it. don't push the can down the road that's actually more important like 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 changing your mind is okay yeah i'm not fine. saying you have to commit to decisions you made but don't just say I will decide that later because technology is going to enable that to happen. No, that's just destroying. That means you're making no decision now, right? Which which means you're you're not doing your job. You don't really know. You don't know what. Right. You have no idea what you just shot. Right. You have made no decisions on what's happened right here. Right. Like so, going, going that, like when I when, like I I love I talked about it many times. I love Mank. Right. I think Mank is a brilliant yeah. movie, and I've watched it a zillion times and in particular i watched this this one sort of like cocktail party scene that's very long which one the one at the end 
Uh, no, the, what, the, the second one or the, the first one? The first one that's more of like when they're hanging out and listening the, 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 like swanky the piano, one. the swanky one. Yeah, right? yeah. And it's not the dinner table scene. It's the one where they're all around the fireplace. And yes. Like, and I'm just like, this it plays so smooth and it's so fun and sharp and witty and all this stuff that you don't right. even notice how much intricate design has gone into every single shot. Everything you're seeing is on purpose. Every single thing. Like every movement, every every angle, every light, everything. And it plays like it's all just been captured. Like the it plays as easy as you can get it. Right. Like I'm just like the amount of work and creative work that went into making sure they shot this correctly is a hundred times greater than the entirety of Black Widow. Like for this one scene, <laughs> like the unbelievable thought and craft that went into it to you make know, it work and great. We're gonna have to find someone who loves Black Widow and challenge oh, you on that because it's trash. It's trash. No, no offense to I anybody know. involved. That's a studio. Get that, that's the studio getting away with something right there. That there's no art in that movie at all. Like that's I the know. kind of movie that makes me terrible. I think you're right. I mean, they, that is the accommodation of fucking lazy filmmaking that is as lazy as it gets i love i like there's a number of actors in there i absolutely love everyone's done great work and i don't blame anybody for getting paid that's fine but that movie is not on that is an unwatchable piece of trash and you can't blame COVID on it either yeah no that's just junk it's just it's a betrayal of the audience to foist it upon them no one should endure that kind of stuff it's and terrible. here listen guys there's a thing. I mean, I think we've said it a couple of times. We actually do not necessarily dislike Marvel films. There's plenty of There's Marvel a films. a lot of Marvel films that I yeah. really like. I love Thor Ragnarok, for Ragnarok, example. Ragnarok is awesome. Did. Winter Soldier is right? awesome. Yeah, Winter Soldier is a great film, etc. There's a lot of great, great films out there. We're not critiquing the films. It's yep. critiquing the system that is basically perpetuating those films to be the only option that yeah. you have. Yeah. And the reason why those movies are generally getting worse is because of that system. Like there used yes. to be inventiveness in that system. And now it's right. Like they, they strip it out at every opportunity. And that's what's destroying. Iron it. Man was brilliant because yes. it's like it, it, it basically uh, uh, reinvented what a superhero film was. Yes. Brilliant. Great and, movie. Terrific movie all the way through. Right. And then it's like, Fuck. And it was a comeback for uh, for Downey uh, Jr. Yeah, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. Robert yeah. Downey Jr. was at the bottom of his career yeah. when he made that. Right? That's right. He was the he was the, about, he was the 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 black sheep choice. He was like people are like I don't know if we want to trust a movie like this to an actor as unstable. As and that. they did it with Iron Man because it was low stakes because yes. Iron Man was not really right. supposed to be a big. Right. It's not a big property. Right. Right. Yeah. And and they didn't even think about the Marvel universe. It's like, let's just make an Iron Man film. We'll fucking put Robert Downey Jr. in there. They roll the dice. Roll the dice and they yeah. fucking got a hit and it yep. generated this entire MCU yep. that everyone's excited about. Yep. Just think about that. Yep. That's like just like with Star Wars. Like the reason why you loved it is because it used to be good. <laughs> Right. Well, the reason why you liked it is because it took you by surprise. Yes, it was new. It's not it's taking me by surprise anymore. It's been yes. 40 fucking years. Yeah. Let's stop. Stop. Yeah. Just stop. Yeah. Enjoy yeah. it what it was. Enjoy it now. It's done. We're done. Yeah. Like that's like Star Wars. Like I will, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm not, 
and then a heart. We did parodies of Star Wars 35 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like Mel Brooks did one exactly in the 80s. But like, mm -hmm. like I am always open to trying out new Star Wars to see if they can freaking make a good movie again. But I, I will give it, I will always treat it like it's a new movie. Like I watched Obi-Wan Kenobi for about two and a half episodes. And I was like, if like this, this is a new product. I've never seen it before. Is it any good? No. Okay. I can stop watching this now. I don't right. have to be mad about it. I'm it was the same thing I had with Mandalorian. Mad. Everyone's like, right. oh, it's like Mandalorian. It's fucking, I saw this before. It was called the A-Team. <laughs> yeah. And like, and, and within that structure, I think that's pretty, like as a, as sort of like a mindless you know, expensive looking sci-fi show. It's pretty good. It's like, it's really a, expensive, yeah, but they're treating, people are treating it like it's like the most amazing thing they've ever no, seen. It's, it's like, it's dude, the A-Team. I like the A-Team. That's perfectly fine. That's legit. Right. Yeah. Like, it's, it's Magnum PI. I've yeah, seen I that, like that, you know, I'm not, it doesn't have to be fucking Jean-Luc Godard every time. Like, no, I don't mind. But, just but, do, but, 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 be but think about the <laughs> dollars, per, dollars per second yeah. of Mandalorian versus Magnum <laughs> PI yeah, significantly high. higher. Yeah. yeah. If, if, if Magnum's mustache were animated CG every single episode, then it starts getting the right ball back. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I am always open to the new great Star Wars. Whenever it comes down the pike, I'll, I'll be there for it. But like, I'm not going to pretend like it's good when it's bad because I don't care if it's good or bad. I just I like I only care if it's good when I see it. I don't I'm not invested in whether it's good. If it's bad, I just go like, oh, fuck it. Not a bad thing. I've seen plenty of bad movies. I'll see plenty more bad movies. No big deal. You know, I don't need I don't need sequels. I like I don't mind sequels. I don't mind remakes. Go ahead and do it. But if it's shitty, right. I'm going to say so. <laughs> like, I'm not going to give it credit because it is uh, nostalgic. Like that's useless. That ah, actually hurts my, 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 my trigger word. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Uh, so I think we, we've, th is there anything I forgot on eternal sunshine? I think we got to pretty much. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it, it ends on a beautiful note where like they are, it is, it is both the happiness and the sadness of realizing that you're going to go through something painful again. Uh, like that, right. you, like, she, that, 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 that problem it's going to happen again. Yes. Like they, they have want hope enough that maybe they'll avoid that problem and they want to go through it again, but you know, the chances of it happening again are quite high. Right. <laughs> like it's, just, right. it's just the way. That and erasing the memory is not necessarily going to solve the problem. Right. And the ending shot right. of them running away in the snow on Montauk where it repeats and repeats and repeats and repeats is one of my favorite endings of all. That's like mm -hmm. third man level ending shot. Absolutely. Yeah. flawless heartbreaking and beautiful captures everything about that emotion all at once yeah uh it's uh, i will tell you this uh make sure if you do watch this film or if you haven't watched this film and you decide to watch this film um uh, make sure you drink plenty of water because you will be dehydrated. <laughs> it's a crier dude that is a crier i have never not cried watching it, this is, it is also you're you're going to laugh too because it's yeah. very funny. It's hysterical, in a lot of ways. hysterical, it's hysterical. Yeah. But the if you've ever had a difficult relationship, um, this film is going to make it uh, challenging. Yeah, it is. It like it is a hatchet to the heart movie. I I don't think I've ever seen a more accurate uh, breakup movie ever. I think that's the one. Like that is the most most true version of how of the disaster yeah. of breaking up with someone 
Yeah. Or divorcing someone. It's, it's just unbelievable. It's traumatic. The movie is a traumatic movie to watch, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I highly recommend it because of that. Right. And, and it, and then, you know, you can think of exactly what we were talking about before, where it's like, I don't want to see a movie that's going to bring back those memories. I want to see a thing. No, I think actually experiencing it at full blast mm-hmm. is going to make it better. That's in exactly some ways. Right. That's how you, that's right. how you get through that stuff. That's how you get through that stuff. You don't get through it by drinking alcohol or watching <laughs> by, by trying to Marvel edit, films. Or by trying to edit your memory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, no, editing your memory or watching Marvel films. <laughs> exactly. You Same get difference. through it by actually going through that experience. Yes. And so you have to do it. Yeah. You That's have great. to do it. You have to do the work. You have yep. to do the emotional work. You, there's no there's no way around it. You're it's gonna happen anyway. Yep. Like it as the as the song like the there's there's a Song in the movie opens and closes the movie with uh, I think closes the movie as well. It's everybody's got to learn sometime, and that song. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, it's uh, it's a well, the co- it's a cover that they put in this. It's a brilliant, brilliant cover. Um, and uh, and the first time you hear it in the movie, it's sad. The second time you see the movie, you're like, that is the saddest song I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's just insane. Just insane. Perfect film. Yep. A plus one of the best science fiction films ever made. Uh, and uh, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm going to call it very loosely science fiction yep. film. It's mostly a, 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 we call it a romantic comedy, more of a romantic tragedy, but, um, yep. um, but brilliant. It has a science fiction setup and then it just sort of throws it away. So it can examine what the emotions are. It's brilliant. Yeah. Cool. I am go. excited. I am excited because I am going to go fishing tomorrow uh, with a buddy of ours. Oh, yeah? We got Isaac Irving. Remember Isaac? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Holy moly. Wow. It's been a while. So he's, uh, yeah, he he, he was on my uh, CG Garage podcast. And he's like, he's like, oh, my God, you're, you're, I love your, your fly fishing stuff. I was like, and he says, I know, but you've been fishing in the surf too. He goes, yeah, I have, but I'm like, like, We'll come out and let's go fishing together. So uh, I'm excited That's about great, uh, going great. to fish with Isaac. So tomorrow I'm, I'm taking him out to one of our, our uh, new spot and then we're going to try to do that. So oh, anyway, that sounds, that sounds amazing. Good job. Yeah. And if anyone in the Los Angeles area would like to try their hands at fishing to surf, uh, just message me. I'd love to take you out and, and get you guys to experience stuff. And I'll even show you some secret spots that nice. I've learned. Nicely done. And this is the, the, the fly I've done. I don't know if you, uh, you can see it. You have to yep. go to. So this is, uh, this is a new fly I'm doing. Uh, this is for uh, specifically for bonefish in uh, Hawaii. Uh, and because it is uh, invented by some guy from Hawaii, it's called the Spam and Eggs. <laughs> I love it. That's good. That's pretty good. Yeah. They love the spam. They, do. they love their spam. I don't understand what's going on with spam in Hawaii, but yep, it's a delicacy. A little history between. Yeah, it's a delicacy. They make spam sushi there. Like sounds good crazy. to me, man. I'm a, I'm a spam fan. That's okay. You like me. spam? I like spam. Sure, absolutely. It's very salty. Yeah, no, I like all that stuff. I like uh, Underwood deviled ham as well. You know, like give me, give me that stuff. Salt and right. meat in a can. I'm in. It's, it's too salty for me. I don't know what it is. It's a little too salty. But it's pretty intense. I'm, it's a ride. It's a ride for sure. It is a ride. It is a ride. Absolutely. All right. 
All right. You got, uh, okay. So, uh, how, how about we, <laughs> how about we do this? Mm-hmm. You do the middle one. I'll okay. do the other two ends uh, because like you don't do the middle one. That's true. Right. Okay. And so you got to do your talk mm-hmm. fairly loud. Right? Okay. Because you got to right. do it like Eric, right? Because you always right. do your drink very quietly then. So That's I'll true. do the quiet drink. Okay. Right. Yeah. All right. All right. There we go. All right. Thanks everyone. By the way. All right. Drink. Talk. Drink. <laughs> Not bad. It's my, That's pretty good. my first time playing third base. Sorry. I'll do what we're doing there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's pretty good. And by the way, you know, Eric, uh, uh, we'll, uh, he'll join us next time. But remember, next week we got a watch party. Uh, at least that's the plan. If you are a subscriber, uh, you have the opportunity to be on the watch party and suggest the actual movies that we will do as a watch party. So right. please do that. It has uh, been a great time every time. So please uh, dig, dig around We've done Amazon it file. Two or three times, three times so three far. Times now, yep. uh, three times so far. And it's been hilarious and fun and great to have outside guests for our watch parties. Yep. Uh, watch parties are not part of the actual podcast. They are just done live and on the spot because we're actually watching a movie doing it. Yes, um, but uh, it's, a it's a lot. It's a lot of times. Um, but yeah, so please, if you are a subscriber to us on Twitch, uh, make sure you join our discord and you can do that. And uh, I'm not going to throw the, 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 uh, the link up. Just go to our, our, our Twitter, which is at Martini Giant, and you'll get the discord link on there. Yep. All right. But thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. And we will uh, see you uh, next week. All right. Good night. Excellent. Thanks.